0: Coming to you from high atop our luxury studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to TechMove. This is episode 21. In today's show, we talk about Rod and Keith's new gadgets. Keith explores Cinegear 2015 in Hollywood and sees the Canon C300 Mark II. Plus, we have a double coma segment called Bits. What are they good for? Well, I'm Rod Louie, along with Keith Moreau, and it's time for another spectacular episode of TechMove. Let's go! Another glorious day here at the Tech Move Studios in the San Francisco Bay Area. Rod Louie again with you, and the great Keith Moreau. Keith, how are you today? I'm good, Rod. How are you? Well, you know, I'm I'm rested, I must say, because oh. I am coming back from a little one-week vacation. And oh, really, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, we had a wonderful time sun, surf, and uh, nothing but uh, blue skies all over the place. So it was, wow. uh, we, we, we had a very, very nice time. And um, I wish that we could go back to it. But uh, <laughs> reality has set in and yeah. back to the everyday uh, doldrums, shall we well, say. Well,
1: yeah. And recording Tech Move is a pretty stressful. Thing. It is. So, it it yeah. is. I mean, lots of vacations. It,
0: well, it is. I mean, you know, the, the, the listeners that we have that are worldwide, uh, is, is just too much for me to be away for longer than a week. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so really ladies and gentlemen, for you guys, uh, we needed to come back, uh, to reality and get another exciting episode of tech move in the can. So, uh, thank you Keith for being available to me.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Rod. <laughs> like and while you were on vacation, I get to take a couple of vacations, so it all worked out.
0: Oh, that worked out great then, huh? Yeah. Good. Yeah. We, we we didn't miss each other at all then. No. Uh that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> That that's good. So well,
1: I, I hear that you you got a chance to use a new toy while you were on your vacation. Is I did.
0: I, I I did. I got to use a brand new toy, which I'd like to share with. Uh, mm-hmm. There, it has nothing to do with digital cinema or photography or anything. Well, I don't know. Maybe it does. It depends on your application. But I purchased this thing, uh, especially for this upcoming vacation. I bought a travel router. Okay. What? And, uh, yes, I know, uh, call me crazy. I bought a travel router and I bought one. Uh this is a great uh, uh great company name. Um I, I can imagine a board of directors, investors <clears throat> saying to my saying to us. Now, let's come up with a company name. How does Hutu sound? <laughs> And, who too? and 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 they and they gave that guy, you know, uh uh millions of shares uh for pennies on the dollar. So, yeah, I can just
1: imagine. Him. I can imagine the board re- me- Fantastic, meeting. Fantastic, yeah. right? Who to? That's who th- brilliant, Johnson. It's like, how about Huto? No, Hutu. No, who you too. You That's idiot. better.
0: It's not Hotal. <laughs> Get out of here. You're fired. <laughs> Uh,
1: so now, how did you how did you find this thing?
0: Well, I did a little bit of internet research, and they had all kinds of things from uh, uh, a lot of travel routers from every router company and stuff like that. But this one I was very attracted to. It has has a lot of different things that you can do uh, do with it, which I will share with you in just a moment. But it well, is. Why, hmm? But why do you
1: why do you need a travel router? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like why? And right. What is a travel router? The, it's, what, what it's, is actually a quite, it's
0: actually quite silly, the reason why I bought this. Okay, he, here's, here's the one that I'll admit to that I tell everybody with, right? Uh, the reason why I got it. Because when you go away uh, to a hotel, they usually provide Wi-Fi, right? They'll provide Wi-Fi in the lobby, or if you're mm-hmm. lucky enough, they'll provide Wi-Fi in the room. And we all know how dangerous using Wi-Fi is at these public places, whether it be the coffee shop, a hotel, wherever it is, right? It's not very secure. Well, if right. you use this router, you are actually putting uh, security on your own, uh on your own connection. Oh, okay. and, and and so it's kind of a nice little uh, it's just like
1: your regular home router. It's just portable. That's all. So okay, so so wait a second. Does it actually connect to Wi-Fi or something, or yes. Ethernet, or how does it connect? Both. It, what, okay. the, the,
0: the neat thing is that it can connect. Uh, I, I used it over Wi-Fi. Our hotel had Wi-Fi. Okay. And so I I connected. Uh, my
1: travel router to the Wi-Fi. And so you logged from- into their Wi-Fi through this router. That or is, or you had correct. the router. Okay. And how do you how do you get it to log into this? Is there some interface? And and, and that
0: is the controversial part of it, right? There is a uh, uh, there's an app that you download when, once you get this uh, once you get this thing from Hutu, and it is an interface that allows you to you know uh, pull up your own web browser. And then, uh, you know, allows you to do your usual click-throughs as you would if you had your regular computer or what have you.
1: Okay, so you have this app that you load on your iPhone or whatever, right? Okay, and then you somehow it finds this router. It,
0: it, it well, it, right, exactly. It finds actually the Wi-Fi network, and then and then you just go ahead and connect to that.
1: Okay, it's it's Wi-Fi network or the hotel's Wi-Fi. The
0: network? hotel's or whatever. Okay. You know, like you could be at Starbucks or something like that. You okay. Connect to their Wi-Fi network and then uh-huh. now you're behind the WPA uh uh security uh behind the built-in router.
1: Okay. So it's quite yeah. nice. Wow, I see that. It's actually available on Amazon. Yeah. It is. It's for, ama- and, amazingly cheap. It's uh, like $19. That's exactly it. <laughs>
0: and, and that's why 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 not purchase something like that for uh for this build. Now not only does it okay, so so that's the the nice thing, right? Oh, I get to be behind security and you know the Wi-Fi. What I actually love about the thing and the reason why about it was because uh, I have a, a a Google Chromecast right for my TV okay. set. Yep, and uh, for those who have the the Chromecast or any of these stick things, you know that you need to have wi-fi running to it in order to access stuff plus you also usually do click-throughs through your remote or through a mobile device of some sort well this allows you to do that too right so okay. you're so you're able so i was actually able to run my chromecast at the hotel uh television set and uh-huh. it worked like a charm it so you w-
1: plug the chromecast into the hdmi port of, on your tv the tv at the you- hotel and you attach your Chromecast to the Wi-Fi from the Hutu. That is correct. Oh, uh, okay. Exactly. And you couldn't go from directly from the Chromecast to the hotel. No, the because you because you you, you you have to do all this authentication and correct. stuff like that. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Yeah, so you kind of had an open channel for the Chromecast to kind of the dumb Chromecast to connect to. That is correct. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So- well, I just put one of the Hutus in my shopping cart. I'm not sure if I'll ever use it, but. <laughs> Well, well
0: now, now get this. Now, here, here's a neat thing what you will like too. Okay, so you know how uh, the Hutu the actually has uh, uh, it powers two devices at once. So not only I see can it you. Has port, port, it has a USB port. Right? It has two USB ports. One mm-hmm. is for charging, and mm-hmm. one is actual for real sharing if you want to. So you can put in a thumb drive uh, on it, and you can share files through this thing. Okay, and wow, that and okay. that's pretty nifty. But what I did uh, was that I plugged in one of my what f- uh, seven in one card readers that I, that I have lying around the house. So I plugged mm-hmm. that into it, mm-hmm. and I filled up a, a thirty two gig SD card with some movies, and I put it right in there. Was able to sh- uh, cast it on the on the Chromecast. Not only that, but I was also on the plane ride. I was able to uh, uh, to watch movies using this Hutu Travel Router because it was sharing files too.
1: How did you watch the movies on uh, doing that? They
0: have a uh, on on the software that you download. uh, It has a built-in player on it. So if you if you encode your movies uh, MP4, it'll read
1: it right away. Uh, Oh, I see. So you just you can play it over this iOS app or whatever. That is correct. And it sees it from this uh, WhoTo box.
0: From, and, and, yeah. and
1: the software. Wow, including. that's pretty cool.
0: It's neat. And yeah. more importantly, let's say you have, so we traveled with family. We had mm-hmm. we had family with us. Oh, we had, okay. And we had a bunch of people with oh, cool. us. Uh-huh. So before we left, I was able to tell them, hey, you guys, go ahead and download the WhoTo app, right? And yeah. so they downloaded the Hutu app uh, on their mobile devices, and I gave them the password, And they were able to log in. We were all able to watch five different movies at the same time on different devices. On different devices.
1: As long as they had the Hutu app on their devices. That is correct. And you
0: you can plug and you can attach five different things
1: to this Hutu at once. And it worked like a charm. Worked like a charm. Well, it's in my cart. It's so inexpensive that, you know. Why not? Why not? Why not? and why not put a Chromecast in your shopping cart, too?
0: That's right. Now, yeah. uh, now the one that I got, now, the one I have, you might. You said it was 19 bucks. The one I'm looking at at, at Amazon is actually the price that I pay, which is $45. Okay, uh, the one I'm looking at
1: is the Nano Wireless. Maybe yeah,
0: that's smaller. That's smaller. I, the one you really want is the, uh, uh, the Elite, TripMate Elite. It's the HTTM04. And this thing is about the size of a um, maybe like a cigarette carton. It's not a small pocket thing. The one you're looking at is a small pocket thing. This one's a little bit bigger, but uh, that's only because it has a power supply in it. So okay, you, this
1: one I see the one that you're talking about actually has an AC plug. Kind of looks a little bit right. like a power supply for an Apple. That's right. uh, MacBook or something.
0: That's exactly correct. Okay,
1: and it's 44.99. Still not bad.
0: Still not bad, but yeah. but this one does all the things that that I had mentioned before. So okay,
1: so this is the
0: this is the one that I thought was would suit my needs, and it's a it's a pretty cool thing, and it works real really well. I know you have a lot of those uh, Chromecast Fire Stick. Thingamabobbers in your con- in your collection, so this will allow you to uh, take it on vacation with you and right. actually, you know, log in and use it.
1: And then it also is a uh, battery supply. That's is right. That true. That's right. So, it, so you can actually charge your device once you've you have this with you. It also acts as a battery charger. That is or correct. A, or a device charger. That is correct. But that's actually, and then it's not that much more expensive. One of those chargers.
0: Right, and you know what <laughs> the the, fa- the fantastic thing is, it charges two things at the same time it has uh ability to do the okay. what is it 1.1 amp and then the 2.1 amp mm-hmm. so yeah. uh so it can so for those of us who who love the apple products uh it allow you to do an iPad and an iPhone at the same time if you need to
1: this is uh i think it's kind of a no-brainer if you do any kind of traveling yeah Oh, it is. Uh, this you any is any kind of media. Really any kind of media while you're traveling. It's sure, pretty cool. No, the, the, yeah. it, it,
0: it's a great thing. And then just again, plus that added security, like a regular router, you can use uh-huh. it,
1: and it it works
0: fine. Works great. little Little bit of a setup. Uh, took me a little while. You know, a couple of days to get it just right the way that I wanted to, and figure out how uh to get uh, uh the uh, get past that authentication for all these different. Um, you know, like if you're at the coffee shop, how do you, how do you get on there? You know, it 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 takes a little bit of finagling, but you know, everyone out there is smarter than I am. So if I could figure (laughs) out, you know, a retarded seal could do the same thing. (laughs) So it's fun. You know, looks
1: pretty cool. No, it's like, it looks like a really, and it's got the built-in AC cord and everything. Right.
0: You just plug plug it in and you can run everything right off there. It can constantly stay charged. It takes, uh... Uh, it takes a short while for things to get charged with it. it it's it's mm-hmm. it's great. It's fantastic. I love yeah, it.
1: And it's not that big. No, it's
0: not. Yeah. It's not. And it comes with a cute little uh uh carrying pouch mm-hmm. and I and I say quote unquote cute. Um it is definitely a freebie, but
1: uh for sure it is uh it is some somewhat useful. So yeah, who looks like Hootie makes a bunch of different things. All of them look pretty innovative.
0: Yeah. It, it it's it's it, Uh, I I love the thing. I mean, you know, this is the most expensive thing that they have. uh, But I also think that it does, you know, just that much more, uh, especially with the uh, uh, charging two devices at one time.
1: Well, that's a really good, really good hint.
0: Yeah. Really good product. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone check out my friends over at Hutu and it's the TripMate Elite you were looking at. And, um, that's what, that was my big thing that I took on the, uh, on my little trip that I want to share with everybody. Well, thanks, Ron. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Now, I know that probably for your little jaunt, you probably, <laughs> uh, took a little something that
1: you would, uh, feel, uh, noteworthy to mention here. Yeah, it's actually something, it's kind of a more high-end version of some, s- something that I've used forever, which is, uh. A, a wide angle lens for my uh, iPhone. Oh, like the, uh, like that
0: fisheye thing that you gave me for my four. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I gave, I gave you one that just yeah. kind of, kind of snaps on the top. Oh, I love it. The top. Yeah. Oh, and it works yeah. geniusly. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can, and you can also as a macro and, and super wide, right. It's yeah. It's got a couple different components. Oh, it's, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's terrific. It's, it's, it's a little bit like that one, but it's, way more expensive. <laughs> oh, 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um and the reason I um I got this was I was kind of looking for a higher end uh lens that just See the thing about um these wide angle lenses and things for the iPhone is that they're pretty good, but they're they're made out of, you know, somewhat they're made somewhat cheaply and so they're really good for for um, something just kind of snapshot stuff, and and e- and even for fairly high quality stuff, yeah. but when you start getting into the super high end, um, you know the, the the really high end pictures that you want to blow up large and things, you might notice distortion and, and stuff like that. So, and and in addition to that, you, you have to have a you have to take off your case to use those things. Y- correct, they won't fit on top. You have to take off the case that's so going on the bare iPhone. Right, exactly,
0: so, and and uh, most you know everyone having different cases, you know that could be pretty troublesome. I would yeah. imagine uh,
1: some of the cases are easy to come out, take off, and some are just really difficult. Right, and like you have, there's a chance of just your your iPhone just flying off and you know off the cliff or something. <laughs> I'm gonna right. put my uh, I'm I'm on a hike on on the edge of a cliff. I'm gonna take off my case. Oops! <laughs>
0: right, exactly.
1: Right, <laughs> it's almost happened to me a few times. Anyway, um, so I was looking just in general for high quality lenses and most of them they had to have their own special case like you had, to, you had to replace your case with this case that had kind of a mounting thing on it like either a magnetic p- portion that was surrounding the existing lens that you could snap on your, your your high quality lens onto or just replace the case in kind of like a screw on thing
0: they're probably big and not that attractive
1: yeah they weren't something that I would want to have on my iPhone all the time so that, that meant that every time I wanted to use this thing, I'd have to put on a special case or just keep it in this case all the time, and I didn't want to do that. But I found this thing, these type of lenses, they're called Moment Lens. And actually, you can go to their website. It's momentlens.co. And uh, and if you look at them, they're... So what's kind of unique about this is you don't, you don't usually have to change your cases. You can use whatever case you want. And as long as the case has a fairly large... Um, Opening for the lens, then you can you can get this thing to work. So what they do sell you is they sell you this kind of a metal um, thing that's very very thin and form fitting to the top part of your iPhone. I look at I, I'm looking at it, it, yeah. it
0: looks like a hat or a girdle, <laughs> a girdle for your iPhone.
1: Imagine a very thin piece of metal that is just form fitting to the the top like half inch of your right. iPhone on on the back side where the yes. camera is. Yes. And then and then uh I don't know if they have more more views of it, but uh where the lens is is actually a very, very small raised little bayonet mount that's yes. just surrounding the lens. Yep. And these lenses are sold with a bayonet bayonet mount on, on the backside. So you just kind of put them in and twist them and they lock in and they're really secure. Um but when you're not using them, you can take the lenses off and then they just fit in your case. The 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 metal thin mount thing fits in your case and and you don't even know that it's it's there it just adds a little black kind of trim to the top part of your your iphone yeah yeah so i got now, I, now it
0: looks as if though that you would still have to take your can
1: uh your phone
0: out of your existing case
1: no no, it actually will fit in most cases. It's so thin and form-fitting, really, that that it literally does not even change any of the dimensions of the phone. Ah, so wait a minute. So are we talking about you know, uh,
0: for lack of a better term, the little hat? Yeah. That goes on top. You're
1: you're saying that that thing stays on yeah. all the time on the that phone. thing stays all the time. So right now, if you look at my phone in its case, which I cannot, actually, by the way. Yeah, you cannot. But right. if you could look and see it, <laughs> you would see my clear case. I have a clear, very inexpensive case that I bought, like a $5 iPhone case. But I like it because it keeps the iPhone from slipping out of my hands. And it's you know, thin, the I- right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The iPhone 6 is like the slipperiest device ever. Yes. It's like they were. They had this think tank and said, how could we make an object so slippery That there was a chance that they'll have
0: to buy one in in a week or two.
1: (laughs) Yes, and they came up with the finish on this iPhone and and genius. Yeah, so you have to put a case on it, I think, if you're using one of them. But, um, yeah, if you look at my case and you can see through my clear case, this little kind of black, you call it a black hat. It's really just kind of it's almost like if you just took a piece of paint and just painted on a black, uh, stripe on the top of the iPhone. Yeah, and it's really that thin. So it it literally there's a little bit of stickum on the back of it that you kind of you kind of peel off. It's a self adhesive thing. Okay. So that's how it attaches, but it's not something that'll permanently stay there. It's just sticky enough to stay in, and especially with the lens, it kind of holds it in place. So, so would it be one of those
0: things where, like, if you took it on and off a lot, would it lose its adhesiveness?
1: I uh, have never taken it off. You kind of wanna. You probably wanna leave, just it, leave on. it on. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I I would imagine that you could probably take it off a few times but it's the kind of thing you probably don't want to cuz that would be a lot of trouble yeah mm-hmm. so it's got this slightly raised bayonet thing over the over the lens it's like a quarter inch in diameter and then these really high quality wide and telephoto lens that you can just kind of stick and turn and they stay on and you can uh, you can get the wide the wide lens is pretty good it's like a two times wide lens and it's kind of big and heavy you know it's it's you can tell it's a substantially Substantial in a ga- glass and a very good lens, and then they also a telephoto, which is similar in size, and it just, you know, when you want to, you know, zo- get a little bit closer, right, um, or wider. So that's my little thing, and they're not cheap. I mean, they're this the two the set of the two lenses was like two hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. Well, so, well that's so. not too too bad. It, it's it, if if you're using it. If you're using and the thing, too, is that the iPhone 6 especially, I'm not sure if you've gotten one yet. I think you were thinking of getting one. Soon, I am right? thinking of getting one. I, I,
0: I'll, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah,
1: okay. The, the iPhone 6, I think the camera in it is exceptional. It's I'm, I'm amazed by the photos that it takes. Right. Yeah, it's for such a teeny little thing and the quality that you can get. And also, you can blow them up. Um, and then you can use this panoramic feature. You may use that on your as well. But yes, Even when you use the, then the, then the resolution is even higher when you use panorama mode. So, yeah. And so I'm kind of figuring, well, I might as well get a good lens and, and also this way of mounting it, which is convenient. And I just kind of bit the bullet and got it.
0: I like it. No, I, 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 I I think this is really great. You know, I've been thinking about something like that too. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to send you a little article. Um, but, uh, um, you know we might not be able to talk about it today but okay. it is kind of along those uh, same lines of uh uh more equipment that you can hook on to your iPhone and okay. uh, to 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 get uh more more photography i just emailed you something but okay uh but i i i, I like this thing i think it's uh, you know just like the the items that you bequeathed to me uh for mm-hmm. my iPhone 4s I've I've used them like quite often actually, mm-hmm, great. Mm-hmm. and uh, and they're they actually work really really well. You know, I mean, you know, they're so small and little. You, you think, ah, this is just kind of a toy type of thing, but it actually works pretty well. And I would imagine this thing looks. I mean, looking at some of their tester shots, they do look pretty good. I I, I would just imagine that. Well, I you know I don't know how the iPhone six is. I don't know how much customized control you have over the, the photography like you're used to, but
1: um, well, they've, they've met it better. Um, they, that you can now, uh, change the exposure and you can change the focal point and lock the focal point. So that's p- pretty good. You can actually change the exposure, yeah, um, up or down if you need to. And that's really helpful. You like click on it and then you see this box and then you see, uh, uh, you click on the image where you want it to be focused and then you see a box and then to the right, you'll see a little line a vertical line that you can move up and down to yeah. over or underexposed things. Yeah. And that actually is, sounds simple, but it's a huge improvement yeah. over the, over the previous thing. And then, um, and I find the the light sensitivity is not, not spectacular, but it's amazing for such a teeny little camera. Right. You know, and, and in good light or, you know, middle, middle to okay light. It's actually pretty good.
0: I like it. I mean, I'm looking at these yeah. photos. They, they, I think they look good. You should look at my email. Uh, okay, thing. let me, let me
1: uh, look at it now. Maybe l- we can talk about it. Well,
0: let me... Uh, l- yeah, you look at that and let me comment or, or share, folks, with what this is. This is, uh, again, the company is called uh, MomentLens.co. And um, they offer uh, what they call the world's best mobile photography lenses. And I do, uh, I do really like this. Uh, I-, I guess you can buy the tele lens and the wide lens separately so you bought yeah. you bought both of them is that
1: correct yeah, yeah you don't have to yeah you don't do, have to do, buy them together.
0: Do, you, do you find did you find yourself using one more than than the other or 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 what
1: um usually i use the the wide more yeah i think there's more situations where you need a wide yeah um and the telephoto isn't super close but it does help a little bit well it's i'm um, sure
0: it's better than the what 0.5 times <laughs> zoom that uh, the iPhone gets or something.
1: Yeah. And and also the 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 electronic zoom on the iPhone is is not very good. Yeah. Um I don't know exactly why they have to do it the way they do, particularly with when there's such a I guess it's a 10 megapixel or something on the iPhone. I'm not sure why things are so pixelated um when you zoom in. Yeah. But uh and I'm actually going to look for an app to see if that's it's possible to do video where it's doing a crop zoom rather than whatever zoom they're doing, which is you know HD video is only using maybe one quarter the resolution of the actual resolution of the iPhone. Mm. So I'm not sure why the zooming on the video is is so low quality. But, well, that, um
0: that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to have have you tried these lenses with video yet?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do try them with. I do use them with video. They look. They work great. Okay, they're pretty large, and so they gather a lot of light. Which is good, um, you know. Wide-angle lenses will tend to gather more light, yeah. and um, yeah, it works pretty. It works pretty well. Mm. I'm 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 pretty happy with them. They're a little, they're a little clunky and heavy. You know, they're not something that you can just necessarily put in your jeans pocket and and notice. But when I my trail pants, my right. cargo trail pants, they'll fit nicely. Well, that's good. Yeah.
0: No, I like I, I I I like it. I'd be very interested
1: now. Um, I I'm actually looking. So I think we talked a lot about that, um, but you just sent me this DSLR camera that goes along with your phone. Right. Yeah, I I think I heard about this one. It's the
0: DXO one I guess it's from a company called DXO Labs. It's a French uh, company, and it looks to be um, kind of like a I don't know, almost like a breakout box that you attach to your lightning connector. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, supposedly this thing gets 20 megapixel DSLR quality photos with it. And if yeah. you see some of those pictures with it, you're using the phone more as the as the swivel viewfinder. And this little thing that attaches to the lightning connector seems to be the actual camera. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know... Uh, Kind of neat, kind of a neat idea. I don't, you know, it, from what I understand, it's a fortune. Uh, Is it? Let's see. Let's see how much it costs. But if you look at some of those pictures, Keith, I mean, they, they good? I mean, they look pretty doggone nice. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'd be very interested uh, for you to purchase one first
1: and uh, try it out, oh.
0: and then I will follow you uh, afterwards.
1: <laughs> the one thing that I'm noticing with these pictures, it looks like there's more, you can get more shallow depth of field. Yes. So that means the sensor is probably larger than the one on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do we see here? The sensor, so it's mega, 20 megapixels, which in my opinion, that's fine, but I'm not too concerned about the pixels. I'm not right. concerned about how good the pixels are. Yeah. Um, But let's see what the actual specs are on the actual size of the sensor.
0: I'll tell you what, I'm on the uh, B&H site, uh-huh. and uh, and they're selling it now. And uh, it is right now at the low, low price of 599 Okay. Okay. Uh, but it is, uh, and, and it actually seems to be uh, available. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, October. Okay. It'll be available so, to October.
1: Okay. So it's got a one-inch sensor. Mm-hmm. So that's actually not bad. That's why it can get that shallow depth of field. Mm-hmm. It's a bit smaller than a GH4, but not that much smaller. Um, and then it's got a 1.8 max aperture. So, that's not bad. Not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. You can get some pretty pretty shallow depth of field. Um, I don't know what kind of zoom or anything it has on it. Do, do you know about that?
0: Nope, I don't know anything about it. I, yeah. I, I just I just see that uh, it can do uh, RAW. It can do uh, JPEG captures. It uh-huh. uh, also has a built-in micro SD slot. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can actually put in your own extended memory on the thing.
1: That's actually good. Which
0: is actually quite interesting. And yeah. uh, if you are on that that email I sent you and you look at those test shots, it's pretty much towards the bottom of the yeah. article there. Yeah, it
1: looks good. They're, they're, they look They're pretty nice. good. They're they nice. nice. They look the, nice. The, again, the main thing that, to me that differentiates it is the shallow depth of field. Right. So that's, and that's good. That's it, good. That's one thing the iPhone does not have, and, and, and they
0: do say that it does uh, what shoot video. They say this is something about shooting
1: video. Yeah, it does 1080 video. It yeah, says, which which know, might okay. yeah. <laughs> but, and,
0: and then they they have ISO. Uh, uh, you can control ISO with a thing, and they have different right. capture modes like scene, speed, aperture priority, or full
1: manual. Interesting, yeah. you know. It's actually kind of interesting in a way. It's kind of like. An expensive version of these little wide-angle yeah. telephoto lenses that I'm getting, right? And probably it, better. In well, a
0: way. I mean, it better be for the money, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, that that that's the price of a, you know, of an of a nice, you know, a nice vacation camera yeah. that, y- yeah. that you could take. But yeah, uh, I
1: know there's like some of the Sony's and some of the uh, Panasonic's that are coming out the f- that. Do 4K? They're they're not that much more expensive than these. Exactly. So yeah,
0: you know. And then like for someone like me who has you know uh, Panasonic already, you know a lot of those. I I think there are things you can use uh, your Micro Four Thirds lenses on some of those things. Mm -hmm. So you know, in in that way, you know, eh, this is just a neat thing. It's just like it's just like yours, uh, like your Moment lens. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, very 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 nice. In some ways, I think that. That will suit you a little bit better, uh, just because of the portability of it. Yeah, you know which which I think uh, you know is nice, especially if if it's as easy as you know, pretty much clipping it on to to your housing. Hey, there Mm -hmm. you go. Then that's fantastic, right? Yeah, it's simple. Yeah,
1: it's simple. That's I like simple. Yeah, you know that's why people are that's why the point and shoot camera industry is going downhill and. And people are just using their iPhones or, right. or or Samsung phones to shoot shoot photos. I mean, once yeah, I mean once iPhone comes out with 4K capability, it's going to be all
0: over, right? For all the for all the small guys.
1: It's yeah, it's getting close to being over now. Yeah, yeah. The point and shoot industry is yeah, they're trying to figure out new things to do, but um, yeah. So let's see. We talked about that stuff. There's also something that I want to talk about. Um, Rode has come out with a new VideoMic Pro. You mean uh, an
0: update from the one that I bought about 20 years ago?
1: Yep, the one that we both bought a while back. Which I, uh, which I will tell you this,
0: I still love it, and I still use a, it today. It's a great mm. microphone.
1: Great it actually microphone. is. The, the and, sound and quality fantastic. is actually really good You know, for such a small little camera. But the thing that we both complained about was how fragile the little shock mount things were.
0: Yes, which were essentially rubber bands that were not yeah. hooked onto really anything.
1: Yeah, they had this kind of interesting way of connecting the rubber bands to the to the body when it always seemed like the rubber bands would just pop out. Like you'd breathe them on, on them and they'd pop out. Yep. And that was actually just why I got some other kinds of why well, I got some other brands of, of of mics, because they had better shock mounts or at least less fragile shock mounts. But anyway, rode, I guess listened to us. <laughs> it
0: only t- it only took
1: them like 2 years to do that, right? Yeah. And they said, "You know what? The tech move guys don't like our shock mount. So let's let's improve our shock mount." Well, I'm proud of so, that that we can be so yeah. influential. Yeah. So in the board meeting they were saying, "Should we call the new shock mount Hutu or should we call it <laughs> Johnson, you're fired again?" <laughs> they uh they said, "No, let's let's use the coat Lyra suspension mount." so Rycote, or ricode i'm not quite sure how they pronounce their their uh product name but Rykote, it's Rycote, it's r y c o t e they actually make um all kinds of shock mounts among other things hmm. they make uh also um wind screens for microphones and they're kind of microphone centric i think they make boom poles and things like that anyway i actually have an old Rycote um shock mount from A long time ago, that actually kind of was like a... It's like a rubber donut that you put your mic into. Oh, okay. And then you put it on top of your camera or wherever on your boom. And it actually does kind of keep the shock from getting to the mic, you know, movement or bumps or anything from the Mm -hmm. camera. Mm -hmm. And I've had that for years. I think I've had that for 10 years or something. Um, But they came out with a new type of shock mount, which looks kind of weird. But it's called a Lyra, L-Y-R-E type of mount. And you can kind of see that it's like two pieces of plastic... Two kind of half circles of plastic. Yeah. And the outer circle is connected to your to the to the base to the mounting point uh, wherever you're mounted to the camera, hot shoe or whatever. And then the top the top half circle is connected to the mic.
0: Yeah.
1: And and apparently I actually don't ha- I actually just got a a, a Lyra suspension mount. Like I just got it. It's in the box upstairs. Okay. I haven't even actually opened it. I just got it from B and H. But <laughs> that was the first Lyra mount that I've ever bought. But it but Road apparently teamed up with Ricodi to include their shock mount, which which it's not one of those things that pops out. It's just there and it's stable and it's not going to come apart. So So I, is is
0: is it molded onto the actual microphone? um i can't tell from the pictures you know it's it's yeah it's it's tough to see
1: yeah it's it's basically the the lira is like i don't i don't think it's molded to the microphone i think it's you know maybe attached by glue or something but it's essentially Mm -hmm. the top part of it isn't integrated to the um to the base of the microphone somehow and then the the uh There's a little... then The the reason that it's shock-mounted is there's a little bit of... uh, It's a very small diameter tube that's used for the plastic. It's really hard to describe, actually. You'll just have to look at the site. But basically, apparently it works really, really well at isolating um, any type of shock that's coming from the base, the mounting point, to the microphone itself. And that's the point of a shock mount, is to just... Any kind of bump is just not transmitted. Any type of vibration is just not transmitted to the mic element.
0: Well, you know that, and and that's the thing that we kind of had a a com. If there was anything wrong with our Rode video mics, uh, pros was the, the the rubber band suspension that that had uh, yeah. that that it has. Yeah. You know, I mean, like uh, I don't know how many you uh, of those rubber bands you've lost, but I've uh, I'm lucky enough to not have lost any. But I am constantly fiddling around with it to try and snap it in there just right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it seems like once it gets loose, it's going to get loose all the time going forward. And right. I'm, I'm guessing that with this, you know, with this uh, teaming up with uh, Rykoti, that uh, maybe they'll eliminate that. The only thing that I wish they would have done is kind of change that, uh, uh, that uh, cable.
1: Oh, the actual connection, the, the eighth-inch con- cable? Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: the eighth-inch cable, the 35 yeah. uh, It seems millimeter. really thin and fragile, doesn't it? it? It's the same thin, fragile cable that we have on our original VideoMic Pros. That just kind of dangles and oh, looks like the, and snap off. And, and they're just yeah. so weak, you know? They're yeah. just so weak. And um, although, maybe one thing they did improve... Keith, remind me. Uh, you know, uh, I use it on my... You know, of course, my GH one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I had to buy an attachment for it because right. because wasn't wasn't the original jack some weird? Uh, what, what what was no, it a regular? Actually, eight what was what was? The, <laughs> I can't remember what the problem no, with it is. It was
1: actually your GH one has a weird jack. <laughs>
0: I think that's right. I yeah, need to buy an extender.
1: Yeah, the the actual uh, road mic has an eighth inch standard kind of eighth inch uh, stereo jack, right? Right and and which is just typical for all kinds of mics, but for some reason the GH one they said let's put in a special audio input that's uh, right jack and let's make it really like really odd. It's like a sixteenth of an inch. It's yeah, I think that, it's that a nobody makes.
0: I, I I had to go to Radio Shack and have yeah. Mister Shack
1: make one for me. Right, and then they're really thin and yes. it looks like they're going to snap off. Right, and but and yeah. it
0: extends that jack by like a uh, by good you know three quarters of an inch. So right. Right, yeah. and it sticks out and yeah. makes it more prone to snapping. Yeah, right. I I have those too. When right.
1: I use my JH one, I got a couple different adapters for that. But right. no, that's you. That's you. That's oh, okay. That, that yeah. So so we're
0: <laughs> ready to throw Road under the bus. But you know what? I'm still going to throw them under the bus because they could have because they could have had a chance to make a nicer cable,
1: like a coiled cable, yeah. like a thicker coiled cable. I think that you know anything good. than this yeah. rat tail they've got going on. You know, we're gonna, I think we're gonna have to get the road people on Tech Move and, and just oh, ask them why. We're gonna, why yeah. did they do this? I, they're you know, they're smart people, so maybe they have a good reason for it. But you know,
0: you know what, with all that complaining, I love the sound that it produces. <laughs> really? It's actually
1: amazing. It's I actually I, love amazing it. I, it I did it an A
0: B yeah. test, uh, yeah. uh, with my camera, you, using the road, you know, with the onboard sound and and the oh my gosh, night and day, fantastic. it, it. I think it picked up my wheezing, for crying out loud. It, I was wheezing, and it picked it up. It was so yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's important to pick up the wheezing.
0: <laughs> yes. well, you know, when we get them on the... You know, what's it with the funny O? What's the line through there? You know, are you Dutch? Are you, you know, what are you guys? I think that's uh, some
1: kind of mathematics, mathematical symbol. Well, see, I'm not good at I'm- math, so I wouldn't know that kind of thing. <laughs> So I don't know that we're gonna have thing. to we're gonna have to look that up yeah we're why, why to... the why the funny O. why the funny o yeah so it's okay so first question is why the thin flimsy cable right and second is why the funny O. that's correct okay
0: exactly okay I think well, we have our interview plotted out already <laughs> hey you, you know what I will tell you this this one spec that they have here for the new video mic pro is uh you know how it's 9 volt battery powered right and over right. 70 hours of use on mm-hmm. the battery mm-hmm. i think that's not too far fetched because i th- i don't think i've i think i've changed my battery like once in the 2 years i've 2 or 3 years i've had the thing it's pretty amazing it's it really does not
1: soak up a lot of
0: battery power
1: at all it's it's no. terrific really really yeah. terrific it's nice yeah. so anyway i'm going to just i'm just going to now that they've changed this i'm going to recommend it again Good. Instead of, because I do think the sound is probably the best out of all these teeny little mics.
0: Well, uh, are you? Did you put in your order for this one yet, or what?
1: Um, you know, I'm not. It, I'm not. I, I don't have that many DSLRs that I do this with right now, so I'm not sure. And I do have a bunch of other microphones <laughs> right. that that are similar. Like I got a couple of the Shure's that had better suspension, and and so I'm, I just don't know if I re- need this right now. Because you know, think,
0: obviously, you can put it on a boom. You know, you could
1: put it on the boom. Um, I I just think as I I have XLR mics that you oh. know for for most of my stuff eh, right Mr. now. Fancy Pants has XLR mics. <laughs> I just I don't I don't have that many DSLRs that I shoot with that mm-hmm. I'm gonna need this this type of sound. I might I might use it possibly once in a while, uh, maybe on a C100 if I really need to get really really small. Yeah. But 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 I do recommend it for people that are starting out or do have DSLRs or. Or uh, mirrorless cameras and want to get some good sound in there.
0: I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And uh, if you're on the road uh, website right now, the VideoMic Pro. Uh, the are are you looking at it right now, Keith? I'm actually looking at the B and H. Oh, okay. Website. Well, I'm yeah. I'm on the road uh, thing. Uh, thank you very much. They're using a Lumix camera. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, anyway. <laughs> so. Uh, Fantastic. Well, congratulations to Rode. Thank you for uh for of course coming out with the improvement after we've used ours to death. <laughs> uh so that is fantastic. You know what? Uh let's talk about a couple more Apple products if you, if, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Uh
0: as we we had mentioned earlier on I am I'm probably by the time this thing Hits the uh, the the newsstand, and what I mean by this thing, the the podcast hits the newsstand and takes the internet by storm with its newest release. I hopefully will have a iPhone six plus by that time. You're actually going to get a six plus. The I, think I, wanna, I think I want to. I think I want to get a six plus. I I figure why not go for the gold. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, uh, having having said that. Uh, I anticipate it to not fit in any pocket that I have i uh well, also, it might stick out right. I yeah. also expected to uh to to be dropped within uh within ten minutes of me having the thing unless i yeah, use a uh, stick 'em on my uh on my hands.
1: I think the first thing like like I almost dropped it when I first opened the box
2: <laughs>
1: because you just don 't expect it to be that slippery you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would put some stick on, like the NFL receivers. Yes. That kind of stick yeah. That, I would do that before even opening the box.
0: That or I will wear gloves all
1: yeah, the time. Yeah, some type of sticky gloves. The kind with the little dots on yep, them. Exactly. Yeah, you can buy those. I,
0: yeah. w- I, w- I will do that, yeah. especially yeah. now that it's summertime and it's hot. I will wear the gloves. And, wear uh, the gloves,
1: yeah. Uh, and make make sure you're on a like a rubber mat that you open, when you open the box. Right. That you're standing on a rubber mat. Maybe your mattress, a bed yes. or something. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Carry a padded tray
0: with me everywhere I go. So that, Pretty much, yeah. 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 Uh, I would, uh, uh, <laughs> okay, so, so so I'm thinking about buying that. I'm the, the th- thinking about getting that. But I know that you are actually seriously considering purchasing an Apple Watch.
1: You know, when, when it first was announced, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Because... Uh, I don't know. It's just a new thing. And it, it usually Apple's been pretty good at coming out with pop- popularizing things that were out there and making them elegant and useful, you yeah. know, and there have been a lot of smartwatches out there for years and they were, they all look pretty bad to me. Yeah, And so I figured Apple was going to revolutionize that like they did with smartphones and pretty much everything else. Um, so yeah, I, I had a chance to look at, look at a went to Apple Store a couple different times and got a chance to look at the watches. Yeah.
0: And you liked them?
1: I thought... So here... I did like them. I did like them. I thought they was pretty cool. Um, I thought... Is there a usefulness to it? Or is it just, hey, it's the new
0: Apple thing. I should really get it.
1: Well, I think that if it was really, really, really super useful to me that i probably already have one. Like, I would have pre-ordered it. Correct. Um, and it, so I don't personally have that burning desire to own this thing right away. Right. Like I think it would be kind of cool to have it. Right. But but it's also there's a couple factors. One is that this is a 1.0 product. So the I'm sure that the Apple Watch 2 is going to be much much better right. than the Apple Watch 1. So mm-hmm. do I want to get do I want to spend you know upwards of $1000 for a 1.0 product? Or do I want to wait until the 2.0 product, which is probably going to be a lot better and maybe even less expensive?
0: And probably be released within the next week and a half, anyway.
1: So. <laughs> um, they probably—I don't know when they're going to release the next version of the watch. I think it's probably be, be in a year from now. Um, yeah. But but they're going to come out with a 2.0 OS for the watch, um, probably within a few months. That might actually change it. Um, and also, I think the pricing and the value is is kind of interesting. The the low—you can get get one for about 350. That's the cheapest you can get one um it's kind of the the matte finished version it's aluminum it doesn't it has um a less durable uh case as well as the glass on it is less durable right i think it's i think it's a gorilla glass that's being used on the or or some version of gorilla glass that's being used for the face and it's not bad it's about the same durability as an iphone um and then the middle model is cr- is a chrome it's stainless steel so it's shiny yeah um and it's probably more durable and then it's got sapphire glass for the for the watch face which is supposedly like indestructible like you could take a jackhammer to it and you know or take your which is what they
0: should have made the iPhone 6 Plus with right
1: <laughs> but they neglected to do that i think they wanted to right actually there's a really interesting story about sapphire glass i don't have you heard of the term sapphire no, glass I have okay not. so sapphire glass is some kind of special glass i guess it's I don't, I don't exact, exactly know how it's made, but it's very, apparently really, really rare. And there was only one one or two manufacturers in the world that made this sapphire glass. And Apple had a huge investment in this company that made it. And then right before the last iPhone came out or about the same time as the last iPhone came out, like about a year ago, or when did when did they come out? Was it last, like, nine months ago? Right. The iPhone 6? Yeah. Um, the they this this factory could not make enough sapphire glass to to produce enough to 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 produce them for the i guess the iPhones. Mm. And then Apple just went, "Okay, bye." And like totally dropped all their orders for this glass. And this company pretty much only had one client, which was Apple. Mm. So the company went out of business like instantly. Their stock was really high. Right. And then overnight it was worth zero.
0: Right. <laughs> now they're all parking cars now.
1: Yeah, I right. think they are. Is like, hey, you want to you want to buy some sapphire glass? Right. <laughs> you know, open their jacket. Sapphire glass, <laughs> right. cheap. But anyway, I'm not sure where the the sapphire glass comes from for these watches. Maybe it's maybe it's that company. That was what I heard at the time. So it was kind of sad for that company. But yeah, anyway, yeah. sapphire. Yeah. So the thing about sapphire glass, apparently, it's really really strong, kind of flexible, um, really resistant to scratching and breaking, and so. Apple wanted to kind of corner the market on the special thing because I don't think any any other companies have it. So anyway, the middle model has that, but the middle model, the, the cheapest you can get it for, even you get the cheap 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 band, I think is like six hundred dollars or six fifty or something. Mm-hmm. And the cheap band is kind of like a plastic band; it's kind of like a plastic rubbery band. It's okay, but now there are th- now th- there are three different Apple watches, right? There's yep. the watch Sport, and then there's the Edition. Yeah. The sports, the one that you can get that's the cheapest one you get for three fifty, and it's kinda got an aluminum case and okay. it's matte finish. And it's mm-hmm. you can get and the thing that's kinda cool though is these bands are kind of universal, so you can actually get uh you can interchange all the different bands, which is pretty cool. Um the the middle watch is the wa- is called the watch. <laughs> and I think that's starting at about six six fifty for the that, cheapest. That, version. That's the watch, not the it, watch edition, correct? Oh yeah, but the thing of, I think the watch edition is like fourteen thousand dollars or something.
0: Oh, that's the eighteen karat gold one.
1: Yeah, actually, the cheapest version. If you got the cheapo um, band, the cheapo plastic band on the the watch edition, the cheapest you can get away with that is ten thousand hmm. dollars. And that's that's for the small watch version. You There's two just different cash sizes. you your Tech Move
0: stock. And uh, get a couple yeah. of those.
1: Actually it would just be a couple shares of tech stock, so maybe we should do that. <laughs> but uh
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> But uh of course, you know, I brought my girlfriend Veronica to the watch store and right. she immediately gravitated toward the watch edition. <laughs> the ten thousand dollar one. Of course. You know, with the the gold. Um they actually have a rose gold and a gold and it's really they're really beautiful. But again, it's kinda like saying I have a lot of money, and I am going to spend it on this watch. It's going to be obsolete in about a year. Yeah, you know? I, I, I mean, you know, you're gonna, you are
0: gonna if you are gonna throw down like that. Yeah, you know, I'd still rather get my Rolex.
1: <laughs> I think a Rolex is a way better investment than yeah, a watch edition. I,
0: I mean, that will no never go down in value. This thing will be like a, you know, it'll, it'll be a. I, I don't know
1: it's not an heirloom no it's something for just rich You're not people gonna that will have, it
0: to anybody <laughs> you know kind of loud
1: yeah so no the watch edition is just for people that have lots of disposable income right like really disposable income exactly yes. um but the the so the middle one is kind of the sweet spot one you right. know they're they're pretty good at marketing it's like yeah it's obviously it's the cheapest one that still looks good sure the watch sport is kind of like Oh, here's my toy Mattel watch, you know? <laughs> that, that, that
0: doesn't look any, uh, th- yeah, the watch sports don't look any, any different than Swatch.
1: Right. Uh, that right. that
0: old brand that uh, that was cute. Yeah. You know,
1: these are cute. So, but here's the thing. Okay, so there's a couple really great things about the watch. Um, the one is that it has a lot of good health monitoring functions.
0: Which I could so, care less about, frankly.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I some people do. Like- Yeah. And and like that's, that's for me, that would be a good thing. Like it'd be really great to have this watch on most of the time that you could monitor your pulse and your heart rate and blood blood pressure and other things. Right. That part's, that's actually really cool. And that's cool because it can record it as a history. Yes. And see what you're. Sure thing is over time. Sure, you can also send that to your. You can save it and maybe send it to your phone. And I'd rather send,
0: it be a surprise when I'm having a massive <laughs>
1: myocardial
0: infarction. I, you I, want, I want you don't want you complete, watch to be telling no. That. Why,
1: why should it warn me about something?
0: Like These are surprises in life. They're fantastic. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. why do you want to be warned with something like okay? Hey, that for to each his own. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, I think for you they would they would just design an app. To be like notify the next of can. You know, it
0: would be great if the, if I, it would be fantastic if I bought an iWatch and never used any of the features. <laughs> I can totally see myself doing that, right? I'll, I'll spend like $600 on this thing. Ah, who needs the health thing? I'm going to turn that off. Ah, who needs this thing? Ah, I'm going to turn that off. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor Apple. <laughs>
1: For yeah, but it's actually pretty cool. And you get, it, I got a chance. Actually, a, fr- a really good friend of mine has has one of these. No, oh, nice. His, his wife got it for his birthday. Okay, know. it's kind of a gifty thing. It is. You might you might not yes. get it for yourself, but you get it for somebody else. Sure. So um, yeah, and he showed it to me, and he was able to you know receive emails and texts and things like that, and that's actually kind of cool. That to be it's able very to, inspector gadget kind. Of it's kind thing, of inspector gadget, nice. but it's also very convenient. Like yeah. you don't have to dig into your. 'Cause your I like for example, your iPhone six plus, it's gonna be buried in your pocket and yes. it's so big it's just gonna be stuck in there. Right. So just get it out, even like especially if you have it and you're sitting, it's never gonna come out. You're gonna have to stand and take the phone out. Yes. But if you have this this Apple Watch, you can just, you know, look at your watch and say, Oh, somebody's texting me. You know, I know who it is. Can I do I need to take my phone out to respond or right. can I just ignore them? So <laughs> I think for you that would be great. You you, you, you know what I love about all this technology
0: that Apple is coming out with? They are covering the gamut now of different sized appliances, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, personal appliances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you you know, like, you know, here here we are, you know, with our original iPhones and, you know, me still with my 4S, right? You know, kind of a small screen, but, you know, serviceable and stuff like that. Now I'm thinking about the 6 Plus, which is going to, like, increase the size by, like, tenfold or something right it's
1: gonna be amazing if you compare your old phone to this new one you're gonna be shocked
0: oh i know it's good it's like i might as well strap my ipad to my wrist and and pretty much that'll pretty much be it and then okay so and then so you have the ipad and then you have the ipad mini you know i happen to have both and uh you know those are good sizes you know and then they're gonna what apple is coming out with uh what is that the uh the ipad uh was it pro I think it is. They're thinking about like a twelve-inch yeah. screen yeah. for that one, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna read email on your watch. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it has a magnifying glass on there too.
1: That is one thing. It's it's pretty small. It's and gotta to, be, and to move around the the little icons and do stuff. Yeah, it, it, you're gonna have people are gonna have to get thimble attachments to their fingers to to point. And, and click on the.
0: That's got to be difficult for 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 those with sausage fingers. Yeah, you know? for really
1: wide, they're not. There's not a market for them. They're gonna. <laughs> th- they might be a market for cosmetic surgery for them. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Uh, he, you know, I I, have, I I think eraser heads are gonna go through the roof.
1: Yes. <laughs> You're gonna have to have a special little extra. Watch Watch okay. Edition Eraser Head.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, Okay, let's let's get down to the brass tacks. When do you think you're going to purchase one?
1: I'm not sure if I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the 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 second
0: version is when you'll start paying attention for real, probably.
1: I think I'm going to start paying attention on the the OS 2.0 and see what the reviews are on that. Okay. And then I'm just going to kind of wait. Here's a, Okay. So here's a couple things. There's a, there are there actually companies now that will spray paint or gold plate your uh your I your watch sport. Mm. for for not that expensive. Oh. So you could get so you can get a ten thousand dollar look for five hundred dollars or something. Oh. Yeah. That'd be something. Oh, that's and something to that, think about. Yeah, so that's that's kind of I mean, that sounds kind of kind of cheap and tacky. Yeah. But Hey, but it'll if work. You're, if you're saving nine thousand dollars, so that's you know, I've heard people doing a D I Y too and spray painting on their watches too. I wouldn't recommend that I've heard it can break them but um, and then the but the thing that's really cool so here's the thing I think is Apple is totally overcharging people for the bands the bands are way too expensive oh yeah the bands run from like $50 to like four or $500 it's crazy wow it's like $500 for a band come right, on right 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 um, and so and the thing is they've made the thing is you don't even want the bands that are less than $300 you don't even even want to look at them they're ugly they're not. They're not useful. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to. It's like the the watch is pretty nice, but then the bands aren't that great until you, um, you start spending more and more money. Sure. So, yeah. So, but there are there are even now third party bands because it's a standard uh, attachment mechanism. It's actually an industry standard, which is really good if Apple to do that. And they're not denying anybody making these third party bands. And I'm I'm going to Amazon seeing bands that Apple will sell for four hundred dollars are being sold for like fifty bucks on oh, amazon wow. this some very similar design so when they start when there starts being a huge supply and variety of bands the os 2.0 um then i'm going to start considering it possibly
0: yeah you know and then wait for the actual real uh timepiece manufacturers you know to actually probably come out with their own bands right
1: i guess so yeah i don't know what the market Oh, it's things would be huge oh Isn't my it? gosh okay. oh i
0: you know i i i have uh or i had a movado watch okay and, yeah i have uh, one of those actually and uh you know movado you know i i had a leather strap and you know mm-hmm. a- after a few years it, it, it broke mm-hmm. and i wanted an, an actual uh movado replacement mm-hmm. oh my goodness i i think like 150 bucks later you know, to 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 just get a another leather band from them, really, and and, and they have to that send a for it and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it was it was a big deal. So yeah, I mean, they'd be crazy not to get in 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 that space. Okay. Crazy. Well,
1: yeah. So I think it'll mature and there's too, I think there's going to be a huge market for the bands because the Apple bands are 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 not a good deal. Yeah. And and don't look that great. So yeah. So when that happens, yeah, maybe. Nice yeah we'll see
0: very nice well Mm -hmm. great 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well uh i think uh we should uh take a break we've been going on now for probably a little over an hour now
1: yeah about an hour Mm
0: -hmm. so uh let's uh let's uh take a break let's reset ourselves and get back into the meat and potatoes of uh tech move and uh we will come back with more interesting banter uh, in just a few minutes. Go get a drink of water. We'll come right back. Rod Louis Keith Moreau, right here on Tech Move. We are bringing back. Oh, by the way, this is Rod, Louis, and Keith Moreau here. Uh, Tech Move, and we want to thank you folks for uh, again uh, sticking around with us. But we have been getting a lot of inquiries lately about this one special segment here on Tech Move that hasn't been around for a few episodes. And I think it's about time that we uh, instill this into you. And this is the Tech Move Put Me in a Coma segment. And I know it's long awaiting. I know people are clamoring for this. And Keith, I think it's time that we berate
1: our listeners with a segment. Let's yeah, let's let's berate them. Let's put them in a coma. In fact, let's today we're we have a special coma segment. Or actually, we have a double coma segment. Yes. It's very rare. A double comma is extremely rare.
0: I think we're going to talk about two different uh, uh, areas here. And so basically, if one doesn't do it, the other one will. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Keith was reviewing the subject matter with me, and I am barely conscious as we speak right now. Uh, Okay, let's do this. Let's attack our first coma segment. Keith, I would like to know about this thing I I don't even know how to describe it. is is it Luma? It's eight bit versus ten bit versus twelve bit luma. Am I saying that correctly? You are saying it correctly. Okay. So <laughs> you know y- you instructed me, you 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 tried to coach me. I, I could barely remember it. Eight bit versus ten bit versus twelve bit. All I know, twelve bit's the best. Why don't yes. you put us in a coma and explain to us
1: why it's so much better. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so 8-bits is eight. Um, if, imagine if you're, if you're talking or looking at a binary uh, number. Right. Ones it's, and zeros, right? Ones and zeros, yeah. So imagine eight of them. I'm a genius already. Genius. Yeah. Imagine eight of them, and th- you could have eight zeros in a row, or you could have seven zeros and a one. Or you can have six zeros and then a one and oh. So, anyway. Can you give me more of those combinations? (laughs) (laughs) You could go all the way to where all of them are filled up with ones. Okay. And that's the highest number you can get. Okay. So you've got eight ones in a row. Good. But if you're actually talking about what is that equivalent in decimal, it's only 256. It's actually 255 is all the different, all the slots of those eight bits filled with one is only 255. Okay. Terrific. that's That's what eight, that's what eight bit means. Great. Now, if you have 10 bit, it's, you have, for example, 10 zeros in a row and you can still have the same, you can have the all like nine of them zeros. And then the last one's a one and that equals one. And you can have, uh, eight, eight zeros in a row. And then the ninth one's a one and the, the 10th one is a zero. And, and, you, and you can go all the way up to having all 10 slots. Lots of with combos.
0: One. Lots of combos. Yeah. I so can only
1: imagine <laughs> what 12 is going to be like. Well, so to, just to explain so ten, 10 bits is all of those slots filled with ones. And, and in decimal, okay, so we're converting from binary, where it's a bunch of zeros and ones. And then we're converting to decimal, which is our current system, how we count. It's only 1,023 is the maximum number that you can get out of that. But you can see that 1023 is much larger than 255. Yep. Okay. So, in actuality, if we want to just make it easier on our brains, the 8 bit can have a number, can have 256 possibilities, 256 levels, in fact, from a, z- a level of zero to a level of 255. So, that's actually 256 values. Okay. If you have a 10 bit um, value, you can have a maximum of of 1024 that's a lot yeah so if we're talking about and if you if you go to 12-bit it's that much more okay um i won't really go into 12-bit there there are some cameras that that film and tw- uh, that record in 12-bit but we're g- just for to kind of keep it simple because if we went farther we might go into triple coma and <laughs> we don't want to do that right i'm going to save that for the next episode right. but um i'm just going to talk about 8-bit versus 12-bit so Consumer cameras, like consumer camcorders that we have, like your G H one or or any kind of camcorder that you might, you know, buy off the street for less than a thousand dollars, um is is most likely eight bit. Uh and the reason it's even if it's H D it's most likely eight bit. Um that means that what it records in when the final thing that records records uh the codec, the file format is actually an eight bit file format. So it's recording um color and um and and luminance. Uh, but it's in an 8-bit um package okay so what it means is you only have 256 possible levels of brightness when you're playing that back okay so if you can imagine imagine a like a blue sky like you know you know when you look at a sky and it goes from the horizon it's kind of a deep blue yes and then you go up higher you know, maybe to lightens up, up a little bit, lightens stuff. up a little bit, but sure. it's very, very gradual. Yep. Well, if you filmed, if you're recording with a 8 bit camcorder, you might see some. If you looked on a pretty big screen, you know, like a normal computer size screen, like your iMac, mm-hmm. you would probably see some graduations of the blue
0: rather than see, a smoothness to yeah, it. Is that what you you're saying? You would not,
1: you probably would not see a smooth transition from the deep blue to a lighter blue. Mm-hmm. And that's because it can only express those different shades in 256 variations Mm -hmm. but if you took that same uh, blue sky and you recorded it with a 10-bit camcorder you probably wouldn't see that much you probably wouldn't see any it's called banding actually you may have seen that it's kind of a, it's what we used to call it. Oh push. that's
0: where we use the term banding, huh? Yes. Yes. Oh, essentially with that. Yeah, so essentially. I don't know what it wa- meant, but I never <laughs> heard about that darn thing. It's
1: no good. Banding's no good. Banding is not great because when something that you see with your eye as being a continuous range is actually segmented up into bands. Um, a kind of a kind of a version of that banding is when we look at a kind of a bad cable transmission Digital cable or digital TV transmission, mm-hmm. and you can see the blockiness in a way that's kind of a form of banding. You mean like pixelation? Pixelation. It's kind of a form of banding. It's kind of the w- because the, the uh, decoder can't produce a smooth graduation between two, two different pixels. It has to just jump to, to like it jumps from a pixel that's from zero to a uh, pixel that's one. But there's only 255 different levels possible, so it's a pretty big jump. So you right. can see that. Okay. So, so what you'll get is you'll get some cameras, uh, the higher end camcorders, like the really high end ones, like Alexa and Reds, and 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 even some of the some of the so- high end Sony's, even some of the mid level Sony's, actually have 10 bit output. Okay. So that means that you can you record this blue sky and you don't won't see the graduations. But that's, you know, that's nice and that's a good thing to have. But that's only half the story about why you might need more bits. Hmm. Um, when you're when you're doing color correction and say you record a scene where there's really bright areas and really dark areas, and there's also some middle area in between, right Um, but you really want to you know maybe it wasn't recorded with the best lighting, you know, so the contrast ratio is too high, which means there's too much bright compared to the dark, or maybe there's something in the mids that you really want to bring out. Well, if you try to do that with an 8-bit um, rec- recording, you try to stretch things out. Like you try to, I really want to bring out the levels between two different, uh, kind of a small um, area of luminance. You know, something that would, might be like middle grade to just a little notch above middle grade, but I really want to emphasize those. Mm. If you try to do that and you try to amplify those too much, you will start seeing that segment, you know, really extreme segmentation between the two different parts two different levels of gray you'll see like a big a big cutoff between one and the other and and it'll actually just reflect itself in kind of a grainy bad quality image kind of like that macro blocking thing that we see yeah but if you do that with a with a 10-bit image you'll see a lot less in other words you have a lot more um you have a lot more flexibility in post-production when you use 10-bit as opposed to 8-bit and that's why it's considered a professional format okay yeah because in the color correction the color grading um phase of things, you can do a lot more with a with a ten bit image and there's some some um camcorders the really really high ends can actually do twelve bit and that's even more levels of of color right you can possibly it's four thousand levels of color four thousand ninety six levels of color, so you have even more areas to stretch the image or say you want to you know bring something out in the shadows well with Eight bit, there's not much between black and a little bit lighter than black mm-hmm. in an eight bit image. In a ten bit image, there might be there's another four levels that you can stretch out between those two. So you can have a little bit more room. In a 12 bit, you have even that much more. So that's that's the reason that we, if we want to do post production, you know, films and big big movies, they will use a, a camcorder that's maybe more than more than eight bit. Wow. Yeah. So now the kind of the kind of irony in all this is that all all the stuff that we watch <laughs> right now on on uh, TV or DVDs or even Blu-rays, right? Or even on the computer, it's all eight bit anyway.
0: Oh, is that <laughs> is that right? Really? Yeah. It eventually
1: yeah it eventually does get scaled down to eight bit. So <laughs> so in a way, so if you're just filming with your cheapo camcorder or even a high end camcorder that's still eight bit your final destination's going to be 8 bit so if your image at your recording is pretty close to what you want to eventually output mm-hmm. then it might not make that much difference to have an 8 bit versus a 10 bit but if you want to do a lot of grading or you have a lot a lot of control in uh post then it's better to have a better to have 10 bit so what so what
0: about like for those who are thinking about uh you know the 10 bit versus the 12 bit yeah would you want to do something like that? Would you, is, you know, is that a big deal?
1: Um, you know, more bits is always better if you sure. can afford it. of course. But, but there's trade-offs, because it's just like um, compression. It's more data that you have to deal with, and it's, it's more computer processing power. But yeah, there are some applications where you want to have the best possible quality. You know, it, just maybe for arch- archival purposes. You want to have the best possible range and then later in the future, when we have, you know, better technology, maybe doing this stuff will be much, much more um, commonplace. I'll give you an example. There's a concept you've probably heard of: 3D TV, right? Kind of, sure. Kind of bombed. It was out really yeah. popular a few years ago when Avatar came out, and then, right. Nobody, and then everybody, it was like a thing for the TV manufacturers to yes. like sell more TVs. Correct. Um, now they just include 3D, but it's not a big deal. Now the big thing is uh now the next big thing was 4k. That's right, right. And actually they're getting the TV manufacturers are surprisingly getting some traction on the 4k TVs. Uh which is great for all of us cuz you know it's driving down the price, but there's no 4k content out there or there's very very little. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter if you get a 4k TV now, but in the future there might be. Right. So that's kind and of probably future by, and, and of course by then it'll be much cheaper too. Right. It'll be much cheaper to buy something and then, you know, maybe Netflix will be Putting up f- uh, 4k YouTube does 4k now right so there you know there's going to be so that's the reason to get some kind of future proofing but there's something else and this this is where the the eight bit versus ten bit versus 12 bit comes into play there's this new concept called high dynamic range in um, in TVs and and other kind of monitors. Mm-hmm. and and it's something that's it's it's actually supposedly I haven't personally seen it but I've heard a lot about it. It's supposedly very, very impressive to viewers. Like, they notice the difference between HDR viewing and even 4K. Like, you could put somebody in front of a 4K uh, presentation without HDR and then put them in front of, a, like, an HD, like a lower-resolution HD with HDR, and they'd be much more impressed with the HDR.
0: Now, and, is, is the HDR a, the same thing that was or and is still popular in photography?
1: It's, it's actually, it has the same uh, acronym, <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> but, right. but it's, but it's actually kind of a different concept in a way it, it, HDR in photography and the way that we have used HDR for all, all, all all the uh, terminology until now is by taking images of something that cannot fit within an eight bit display. Mm-hmm. So you have something that's really, really bright, like the sun, and right. then something that's really, really dark, like a shadow from a rock or something. And then in between, well, you just can't take, you, you know, you put your camera, any camera, doesn't really matter what camera it is, even if it's a, you know, a 15-stop red or or Sony, mm-hmm. you put it, you have the sun in the shot, and you also have normal, like, shadowy stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're going to get that range of dynamic range. Mm-hmm. Um so what you do is you take two images. You take an image of the sun and you expose for the sun so you see the disk of the sun and but everything else is really dark because you're exposing for the sun. And then you take another image of that's exposing for the other parts of the the scene. You mm-hmm. know, like where where that that's well exposed. And then you combine the two. Um but you're still combining the two so you can display it on an 8-bit display. Mm. Okay, you're not watching because if you could watch it on a high dynamic range display, if you could record it in high dynamic range and you could also display it in high dynamic range, then there wouldn't be any need to merge the images. Mm-hmm. You could just show it as it is. And you, know, you have this burning bright sun that you'd never want to watch on your TV, but it would be there. Right. And and you'd, <laughs> you'd have to look away from it, right? You couldn't see that. You couldn't look at that part of the screen. and then <laughs> And then you'd be looking at the other part of the scene that's kind of normal, kind of like we do in real life, right? Right. So that's what high dynamic range video is it's it's taking a camera like you know the high-end cameras that have really high dynamic range like some of the high-end sony's and probably some of the new canons that are coming out like like the c300 mark ii um and and capturing that whole um that whole 10 or 12 bit image and outputting it at at 10 or 12 bit on a display that can support it Mm -hmm. and then when people see it, they go, "Wow, that's popping! Wow, that's the I, this is different than I've, anything I've seen before. This is more like reality." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like throughout our whole lives, we've tried our photography lives or video lives. We've tried to get real life and fit it onto something that can could actually could be could be expressed. Mm-hmm. And we have all these tools to do that. We have lighting. You know, you have all these powerful lights and things, so you can make a scene look okay and fit it inside of this kind of compressed uh, screen uh but now there's a possibility of capturing reality and displaying reality and that's what HDR video is. Hmm. So that that's kind of a future proofing thing. So that's that might be the need for getting a 10 or 12 bit camcorder. Mm-hmm. is is kind of future proofing it so that if you want to produce something with this HDR you actually can. Um besides all the post production capabilities. Right. Um so right now before HDR is really popularized um it's most mostly for post production control being able to stretch things and move things around without uh, messing up the image and making it look like look really bad mm-hmm. but in the future it could be wow we're actually going to display this high high dynamic range mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people are going to be able to see on a display they're going to see these sh- detail in the shadows but also see super bright things mm-hmm. and they're going to go wow that's more like reality than anything I've ever seen so that's 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 kind of 8 versus 10 versus 12 bit luma so the cameras that I have that um that do 10 bits. So my surprisingly, my, my EX one does 10 bit output out of its SDI. So nice. if I wanted, yeah, of course it's kind of an obsolete camera at this point. It's, it was manufactured in 2008 and you know, it's pretty old at this point. <laughs> right. It's like seven years. I still use it for stuff. But So if I wanted to, but it, you know, the actual sensors, okay, compared not as good as some of my new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, the GH4, if you take the HDMI out- output for 4k, it mm-hmm. also does 10 bit. That's actually pretty surprising, hmm. actually another camcorder i do that i have the f s seven hundred also does ten bit uh, basically outputs raw and and the signal can be recorded as ten bit so those are those are pretty much the ten bit camcorders that i have um so it's not, not a whole lot all the rest are anything that's a v c h d is going to be eight bit
0: anything that's a v c h d is going to be eight bit yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. any
1: and that's pretty much any camcorder that's out there right now. Right, so it's pretty rare to have a ten bit camcorder in a lower price range.
0: So give me a give me a little example of of price differences for a, for a eight bit ten bit thing. Are we talking a couple hundred bucks difference or
1: no? Um, when you start getting into ten bit, then you're starting to get at least five thousand hmm. dollars. Okay, yeah. Actually, I think I I could be wrong, but I think the send me some of the Blackmagic cameras. Even the lower ends do it, so so those are around three to four. So those might do 10-bit images. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it anything that's kind of consumer, any of your DSLRs, except for the GH4, if you're using an external quarter, is going to be 8-bit. Almost all the internal recording on on these things is 8-bit. I have to I have to research and see what the Black Magics do. They they might do 10-bit internally because they're going to they're usually going to ProRes and some of the internal recordings. So that might be 10-bit. Mm-hmm. So that's that's 8 versus 10 versus 12-bit Luma.
0: Well, uh, you know, that wasn't quite as coma-ish. <laughs> but, uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't be disappointed, because the next thing that we're going to talk about, um, well, you know, uh, like like I said, if the first one didn't do it for you, this one's really going to get you here. And uh, let's move on to something terribly interesting, at least to Keith. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) And that is some sort of specification called chroma subsampling. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, here with chroma subsampling is Keith Murrow. Keith, go ahead. The floor is yours. What the heck is 420 versus uh, 422 versus 444? I just got done with the 8-bit, 10-bit, 12-bit luma and now you're throwing a bunch of other digits my way now. I don't know what's going on around here.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of numbers in in video. Right. And and a lot of these numbers started back in the early days of video like in the 40s and the and the, and the 30s and and one of the things that that um people that were creating uh, video and trying to broadcast it was is that if they tried to broadcast just the raw signal with all the information in it, it was going to take too much space and they were trying and this is always this has been like the since the beginning of broadcasting, how do you get a lot of information into a smaller space okay yeah, so now with digital we can do it c- with computers and and kind of do it that way, compress things through compression algorithms. And and this still goes on, of course, with all kinds of video. But back in the old days, we're talking about analog, right? They don't have computers. They're trying to still, how, how do you do that? So mm-hmm. w- one of the things that early on the, the engineers realized was that the human eye is much more sensitive to differences in in uh, variances in gray levels. Mm-hmm. like lumi- And that's what luminance is. That's what luma is when we're saying luma versus chroma. We're much more sensitive to those variations than we are to variations in color. Okay, So and color is, the, the term for color is chroma. So when I say chroma, it's the same as color, okay? okay. So what the early video engineers did is they split out the, the luma part of the signal, the, the brightness part of the signal, and the color part of the signal because they realized that they didn't need to have both of them smushed together in one signal. If they separated it, they could actually uh, have a much more efficient transmission of, of data so so the so and and so because basically we're kind of colorblind like we don't see variations and differences in color mm-hmm. very well mm-hmm. um they realized that they could compress or leave out information in the color part of it the chroma part and and still give all the information in the brightness part and then combine them together and we'd still think we're actually seeing something that's high resolution but in fact The, the, it's high resolution in the brightness part of it, but in the color part of it, it's half or a quarter of the resolution. So when we're looking at, um, an image on our TV, even if it's a Blu ray, it's actually 420, uh, sampling. Okay. And that's a Blu ray, which is considered, you know, pretty darn high quality. Right. Uh, is actually 420 sampling. AVCHD recorders that Mm -hmm. are recording, um, Know pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's four two zero chroma subsampling. Um, so like even, my GH
0: thirteen or GH one yeah. slash thirteen is four two
1: zero. Yep it's it's recording in four two zero.
0: See that folks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, even my pretty high end C one hundred because it's recording in AVCHD, HD mm-hmm. uh, is actually recording in uh, internally in four two zero. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is, if if it recorded uh, the full chrominance, it wouldn't really matter that much. I mean, it might matter a little bit, but compared to the amount of data that you're saving, it's not worth it. Oh. So it's a it's a way of compressing the signal without and thro- essentially throwing away information without it really mattering matter mattering is that a really
0: word? <laughs> oh, w- <laughs> without it mattering much
1: without it mattering much. <laughs> yes, it is a word. Right. All this talk of 4.2.0, I, I don't even know how to speak English yeah. but, um, <laughs> but
0: You know why? Because you're all converted into bits. <laughs> I'm in bits at this You're point. in bits and n-
1: numbers. I'm like the binars in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that?
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh, So basically, there's there's kind of little jumps in the modern world of chroma subsampling. And so 4.2.0 is kind of... It, currently, it's about the, the most compression you can get away with, Okay. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about 4.2.2 and 4.4.4. Okay. Obviously 4.2.0 is smaller than 4.2.2 and 4.4.4 is obviously the largest. So I'm going to explain what 4.4.4 color is. 4.4.4 color for, uh, is actually pretty rare in, in in chroma subsampling. It basically means there's no subsampling going on. It's basically the direct color. Every pixel has full color information in it as well. Okay. All right, and that's obviously the best, but it's obviously the the most uh, space consuming, right? It's it's kind of like uncompressed video. No, there's there's nothing being thrown out. It's pure, but it's also very, very uh, it's kind of space wasteful in a way. Okay, okay. so it's possible you could record four 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 like if you're recording raw. That's kind of what you're doing possibly, but at the same time, is it worth it? Okay, so the next step down is four two two. And 422 is basically it's basically throwing away uh, the color in every other pixel, OK? Got it. So 422 is basically throwing the color uh, information away in every other pixel, OK? So say you have two pixels that are adjacent to each other. Um, one pixel will have the full luminance as well as the full color information, OK? The next pixel will have the full luminance information but it will not have the color information. It'll be sharing the information from the pixel next to it, okay? So you just had um, something that was pretty low-res, like a two-pixel a two, a two pixel screen, okay? Mm-hmm. And you were looking at 422 two color. So you had like a kind of a middle green in one of the pixels, and it was the color green in the in the Chrome information. In the next pixel over, you had uh, a little bit darker shade of green. Mm-hmm. Um, and the color information should have been maybe something different, but it wasn't. It's actually shared with the pixel to its left. So you might see a slight uh, variance, variation, like a little bit darker green in the right pixel and a brighter green in the left pixel. But in, in actuality, all you're seeing is a variance in luminance between the two pixels. Okay? But the way our eyes see, we kind of say, well, that's okay. That, that, that little darker green is going to work for me and I still see it as high-resolution because I'm seeing two different variances in brightness Mm -hmm. between the two pixels. Okay so that's that's what 4.2.2 is. Now 4.2.0 which is basically what all of our camcorders use and ABC HD uses and Blu-ray uses and surprisingly is throwing away the, the color information in three out of four pixels. So imagine four pixels in a row. The first the first um, pixel has the correct color information, but all the other three pixels to the right only have the correct brightness information or luma information, and the color information is shared with that first pixel. Hmm. So you could have variances in the the brightness on those four pixels and they would look different, but the color information is basically thrown away and it's just sharing it with that pixel that first pixel. It's a little bit complicated, a little bit more complicated in the r- way the real world works. They they use uh, a way of alternating lines in the video to kind of make it a little bit more more random and more even when they're throwing away information. But what I described is pretty much what it is. It's throwing away a lot of color information, but keeping the brightness or luma information.
0: Hmm. Okay, that's it. <laughs> That that that's it, huh? I That's I, I was, pretty much it. I was hoping you're gonna tell me the butler did it or something like that. <laughs> well, uh as you could see, that's the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, this is called the Coma
1: segment. Oh wait, I, I guess I could add a little bit more.
0: <laughs> well why not?
1: <laughs> so uh just to kind of talk about practically what's going on here. Most DSLRs have four two oh color. Okay, when they record. And most camcorders even up to you know, pretty high-end camcorders also record 4.2.0 color. There's a couple camcorders that record 4.2.2 color internally. For example, one of the reasons that the C300 Mark I, the original C300 was popular was because it recorded uh, 50 megabits per second data rate, but it also recorded 4.2.2 color. Okay, and those two things combined mm-hmm. made it very, very easy for broadcasters to take that and broadcast it. Like, the broadcasters actually have standards for these bits that we're right. talking about in this episode. Right. And, and that camera fit that bill. An, an, another Canon camera, the, the, um, I forgot the name of it, but basically it's their other, but smaller, uh, smaller sensor kind of broadcast camera also okay. did that. So um, in effect, uh, HDV does not do that. HDV is, is, is 420. Okay. So a lot of HDV cameras weren't considered to be legally broadcast cameras. So, and, and back in the day, DV, same thing for DV cameras. They weren't considered legally broadcast cameras. So um, now the way to get around that, to get around that 4.2.0 color space is to use an external recorder because most camcorders through their SDI or HDMI outputs Mm -hmm. will send out a 4.2.2 color signal. So for example, with my external recorders, with my Odyssey's or my Ninja Star, I can actually record a ProRes 4.2.2 signal coming out of those. And so what's the purpose of doing that? Why would you want to have you may ask, Rodney. You may ask me. Hey. Why? Uh, uh, <laughs> why? Why?
0: I, I mean, I don't even remember the question. Let alone, But just just say why anyway. Why?
1: Why? Why would you care about recording? For... Why would I care,
0: period? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's really the thing, for crying out loud.
1: But okay, why would I care about recording like that? Recor- why? Well, um, you have... Even though your eyes... Um, have a pretty low color resolution. You can still see a little bit of a difference between 420 and 422 color. But again, just like the uh, 8 versus 10 versus 12 bit, when you're when you're doing color correction and post, you have a lot more information to work with. Mm-hmm. So when you're raising um, the color of a particular, say you want to make it a little bit, you know, more yellow or whatever, well, you're actually affecting more pixels with that adjustment. Mm-hmm. Because in a 4.2.0 color scheme, there's there's a block of four pixels that are the same, that you're actually raising or lowering. So if you're doing that in a, in a pretty extreme way, you will see blockiness starting to appear when you're doing that in a 4.2.0 color space. If you do that in a 4.2.2, you see a lot less blockiness. And if you're doing it in a 4.4.4, on that you don't see any blockiness really at all, uh, that is attributed to that chromosome sampling. So... Again, doing post, much more accuracy and color correction. Much more ability to change things without looking bad and, and having artifacts. There's also another reason why you might want to use 422 as opposed to 420, and that's green screen compositing. And just imagine this. You're trying to find the outline of something and, and then cut it out very accurately, mm-hmm. and you're doing that based on, um, based on pixels. Well, you're doing that based on actually the color of the pixels, not really the luminance of the pixels because right? you have green or or blue in the background, and you're trying to see the difference between that green background, which is very spectrally the kind of the same, and whatever you're trying to cut out, like the, a person, like a person's hair or something. Right. So imagine that their hair has you know little, you know little wisps of hair coming out, and they're slightly, you know maybe they're like have a little yellow in them or a little green in them. If your uh, color subsampling is making the green of the background and, and, and saying, okay, I'm going to group that set of pixels together. That green background, along with all the other a few pixels around me, is going to be the same green. Well, just think about it. You're actually reducing the, the fineness of your cutout. The cutout is starting to encroach, potentially, on your image because of the chroma subsampling. You have these blocks of four-pixel green blobs that are encircling the image rather than two-pixel blob. Hmm. That's encircling the image. So,
0: Well, well, to me, it sounds as if it's just like what, I guess, basically 4K was supposed to be, right? When you shoot in 4K, you have all this information, and it makes being able to do whatever you need to within that. uh, Like, let's say you take a frame, right? Every frame of a 4K uh, image is supposed to be fantastic, correct? Right. It's supposed to look like a photo. It's supposed to look like a photo. So you you would be able to crop, come in, you'd be able to zoom in, you'd be able to do
1: whatever you want with that, and it's supposed to be fantastic. Same thing here, correct? Um, In a way, yes, because you have this high resolution, so when you start downsampling the resolution, everything gets sharper.
0: Right. Oh, Oh, hey, uh, pretty much like uh, when you have... uh, like my iMac here at uh, at the studios of mm-hmm. uh, of Tech Move, mm-hmm. uh, and you and you know you watch a video full screen. Sometimes, in some ways, because of compression or whatever, it looks better when you shrink it down a little bit.
1: Yeah, because you can't actually see the the, the imperfections as much. Correct. Yeah, so that that would be a reason for shooting in four K and then and then down-resing to HD, and that's actually what works really, really well nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The GH4 4K, if you look at the 4K, it's not, you know, in a in 4K screen, it's not that great, but once you reduce it to HD, it looks really, really good. It is looks it, like, wow, this is a great camera.
0: That's kind of like the same principle as uh, when we were doing a lot of, uh, you know, audio production, correct? Mm-hmm. You,
1: you, you 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 know,
0: you get your, your best signal, you get your best uh, recorded piece, and then you downsample it to an MP3. Right right, right, which but is you still start out with something pretty you, high. you you start out with something fantastic, but then you get this one twenty eight you know kilobit piece of junk on m p three correct, yeah, correct,
1: correct, so, yeah, yeah, so know. it is it's kind of it's it's like shooting for the highest possible uh amount of data and detail, and then you have a lot to work with right. when you make it smaller it's the the smaller result is still better than right. if you recorded with uh at a low resolution so.
0: And that's why we, we always keep that archival
1: uh footage and yes. or or audio tapes yeah. or in, in Iron Mountain. Right. <laughs> as soon as we finish this, we're gonna ship it off to Iron we, Mountain for for right. storage for a thousand years.
0: And I want them to bake the tapes immediately.
1: Bake oh, yes. the tapes. They will bake them. <laughs> on the LTO seven archival media. Which has a shelf life of 3,000 years.
0: Well, uh, Keith, I (laughs) want to tell you that the coma segment did not disappoint. I'm ready to kill myself right now. Uh, I've learned about 8-bit, 10-bit, 12-bit Luma. I've learned about Chroma subsampling, 420, 422, 444. If you were to test me right now, I would fail beyond belief but nonetheless you did a fantastic job of explaining it um whether or not i retained anything i will have to let you know that i did get my taxes done as uh, you were explaining but anyway thank you keith for that that was uh enlightening and i'm sure it changed many of the tech move nations lives so thank you very much for that keith uh and we will have more of the of such segments uh, coming up because we, we do know you've all been clamoring for it um, okay well hey uh, I, I gotta go uh, uh, get feeling back in my limbs so let's take a break and uh, we will come back reset this whole circus we've got going on here the circus we love to call tech move Back again with Tech Move, and Keith wants to report on another little field trip he went on. Uh, what is it? A show? Is it a trade show? What, what what do we call this thing?
1: It's uh, yeah, I guess it's a trade show. It it's uh, a lot like NAB, okay. but mostly uh, centered on cinematography gear. So and, it's really right up our alley, and, and, and this uh,
0: uh, show is called Cinegear, and it's the 2015 uh, incarnation of it. Keith, how was it? Was it fun?
1: It was actually really. I, I really liked it a lot. In fact, I think I liked it more than NAB for cinematography. Really? Because it was yeah. Because it was well. Here's the thing. It was actually at the. It was at the Paramount Studios. Oh. Yeah, in LA, in Hollywood. Mm. So you got to go onto the Paramount Studios lot. You know where they have all those buildings that are oh, yeah. I mean it's it's a huge it's uh, it's gigantic. I mean it's a gigantic area. Right. Yeah, and um so they pretty pretty much I mean they have a lot of buildings and auditoriums and sets. And so there was a lot of gear a lot of vendors displaying inside manufacturers displaying inside the buildings, but then there were also the Manufacturers lining the streets, as well.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. So there, were, so there was a lot of representation there.
1: It was a lot. I mean, I think almost all the same uh, manufacturers that I that I was particularly interested were all were at NEB We're also at hmm. Um and it was just it was pretty cool. You know, they have all those cranes, like the super fast uh, robotic cranes that are now being used a lot for, for cinematography, all the, all the, you know, different manufacturers, you know, Canon was there. Panasonic was there. uh, DJI was there. I mean, all the ones that I was interested in, they had a whole, like, like they had a whole auditorium just for lighting people. It was all in one place, Mm. all kinds of led lighting and other types of lighting. And it was, it was actually just the experience was pretty cool because we had to walk through the, the Paramount lot kind of on the way to to the actual Cinegear show and on the way you get to see all the kind of the outdoor sets and mock-up streets that they have right. you know they have have those 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 streets that they use for sets and stuff sets yeah, yeah that have the storefronts sure. and buildings. yeah so that it was pretty cool it's like universal studios it was like universal studios yeah. um but not the universal studios um uh, like fair <laughs> but the real the right. real thing right. <laughs> exactly exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, uh,
0: that, that now, uh you know, uh back in episode nineteen, I believe it was, we did our n a b wrap up and uh kind of talked about all, everything that you saw there. did you see some of the same folks from uh that that we were that uh tech move was a part of as far as reporting uh and being there on assignment?
1: I did see a few of the same people. Um, I, did they give I, I, you the time of day,
0: or did they ignore you and have you escorted out by the police? You, you, you! There with Tech
1: Move. Stop! <laughs> I don't like what you said about our stuff in the last in episode nineteen. <laughs> No. Um, I actually saw quite a few of the same people. I didn't really do the same kind of interview thing that I did at NEB. Right. I just didn't want to go through all the trouble and sure. I had a limited amount of time. So I just wanted to go to the stuff that I wanted to go to and quickly. Just see it and touch it and stuff. Yeah, like see that. and touch it and talk more informally with the with the people about the stuff. Right. So I got to I pretty much got to go and, and, and talk to different people about things I was really interested in and wanted more information about. And so um at some point in this segment, I, I'll talk about my experience with some of that gear.
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll look forward to that. Now, uh, it was in L.A., great. and
1: uh, so it uh, uh,
0: looks like it was a, kind of an all-day thing, huh?
1: Yeah, it was. It was an all-day thing. It was kind of hot and sunny. Outdoors, and, I'm going to guess, for well, most of it? it well, was, it was kind of half outdoors and half indoors. Okay. Um, it, it's not like a convention hall indoors. Right. You know it's kind of it's kind of, you can tell it's these sound stages. Right. There are some some of them are huge, you know, obviously they can put huge build huge sets and things on these things, but they're I guess they're cleared out or they don't leave their set stuff in there um when they're not filming. So or when the film's over or when the project's over. So there's these huge, you know, concrete like almost like hangar sized um sound stages, I guess. And so there was a lot of setups in those and then there were smaller versions of that. Um, throughout, but then just along the streets, you know, it's kind of like a 40 foot wide street. There were vendors on each side of the street and you know, like in these booths, you know, with overhangs and tarps, I guess, in case, it, in case it rained or whatever. Right. So, yeah. So, all the same people that I saw at NEB, I saw. I saw there.
0: I noticed here also that they had uh, master classes, they had seminars and all this kind of thing. Did you, were you able to attend any? Were you able to be a special guest of anything? <laughs> uh, did they recognize you and uh, want you to come and speak to uh, uh, to the folks Pro- there?
1: Um, you know, if, I think it was kind of a last minute thing. Uh, so, uh, what, you mean for you to go? Yeah, for me to go there. Yeah. It just happened to be a convenient time for me to go and and. And, uh, so no, I didn't have a chance to really set up all that, all that stuff and do any kind of, uh, seminars or speaking or to attend anything or anything other than just be kind of like a normal person going through the show.
0: Which is probably good because probably the, 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 the ticket would have been more expensive had you been able to do that. So you just pretty much got in just to look at the show and then get, get out. Were, were, Were you there, were you there for a couple of days or what, what was it?
1: Yeah, I was there, I was there, um in LA for a couple of days and and went to Gear. It's actually not that long of a show. It's only like 2 days. Right. Okay. So, yeah, the the ex- exhibition is only Friday and Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, it's not it's not quite as it's not quite as huge as NAB and it's not kind of quite as long as NAB, right. but it's also much more like the LA Hollywood scene is there. Right. Which was pretty cool. You could tell that all the people around were really like filmmakers and people that did did uh, you know TV shows and things like that in LA?
0: Did you tell them that you're part of TechMove and did um, they gasp in fear?
1: Um, a couple of times when I talked to people, I in fact I set up uh, several interviews with people that I uh, like, the Canon people and Von and and uh, this company called Ready Rig, which I'm going to talk about. Uh, and the DG, actually visited the DJI booth again. So um, yeah. I did talk with them and, and mention that I was in the podcast and yeah they did gasp and said you wait, you're from Tech Move? The <laughs> Tech Move? <laughs>
0: <Right. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's great. All right. Well uh let's uh let's let's get uh with with talking about all these uh, different uh, exhibitors that you that, that, that you met with. Okay. Uh let's uh, let's reset for just a moment and uh and we'll come right back and we'll talk about Cinegear, uh, the Cinegear Expo 2015 uh, and Keith's impressions with it. We'll be right back. You're a tech coach. Tech move Rod Louie Keith Moreau we're back with you again and uh let's continue uh our discussion about Keith's visit visit to Cinegear 2015 uh uh the uh, and your impressions uh Keith you know I, I know you, you you saw a bunch of you know people that you saw at NAB Saw, you know saw a few things here and there mm-hmm. uh l- l- let's let's talk about some of the specifics that uh, uh that you got away from yeah you got um, from
1: yeah so i didn't really necessarily want to go to the same things i went to at nab i mean there was a lot of the same stuff there so i didn't didn't visit, visit kessler um i didn't well i actually did visit dji but in a different way mm-hmm. um so i'm just going to talk about some of the few things that i was personally interested in so i'm going to uh the, the first um company that I don't know if you know I've heard of them but it's called Verivon, and you can go to I guess it's veravon.com um Did they do tripods at one time? I think they do all kinds of stuff. They do a lot of cages.
2: Hmm.
1: And uh yeah, have you can They've been to, around for like ever. I they're a Chinese company. Um but they they've oh been around for quite a long time, for several years. Veravon. They're they're featured a lot on cheesy cam. And some okay. other stuff, but they've come out with uh, quite a few gimbals recently, um, and I I saw I I've seen a lot of um, a lot of articles on their gimbals, um, and they look pretty good, and I I was actually very intrigued with a couple things that they're currently uh, working on, um, but if you go to verivon.com, you can see all the different things that they're they're featuring. They have a lot of cages. I actually have a Verivon cage from a A7s. Um, the A7s kind of needs a cage, especially if you want to use the mic, uh, any kind of mics on it. Uh, they have a, the Sony has a has a mic, um, kind of a mic interface that allows you to put uh, XLR mics onto the A7. So, oh, nice. um, but the it kind of needs a cage in order for all that stuff to fit together properly and to be mounted on the camera. So, uh, I got one of those, and it's a, it's pretty good. It's it's got a few. F- I think a few flaws. I think they've des- redesigned it since I got mine, like right after they sold mine. Mm. Uh they said, "You know, this isn't good enough. Let's redesign it." Cuz he just bought his. So, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, uh anyway, so one of the things that they they've they've had this thing called the um the birdie cam, okay? And so I actually went to their booth, and they're really nice people. You know, they're they're Chinese speakers, so they don't always speak the best English, but they um they showed me their birdie cam and I tried it out and it's really nice. It's a, it's a, it's like, you know, like all of them. It's like the DJI and, and some of the others. The thing that I kind of liked about the birdie cam though, it's not composed of that kind of typical tubular far, uh, carbon fiber. It's actually composed of, uh, aluminum that is kind of squarish. And so it can mm-hmm. be, um, aligned pretty easily and it's got a uh, toolless alignment and I tried it and I, it worked pretty well. I could see it. I could see getting one of those. The problem is, is that it's selling for about two thousand bucks. It's for yeah, it's selling for about the same price as you can get the maybe a little bit less than you can get the DJI, you know, the, the DJI gimbal for. So, yeah. and DJI is a much bigger name than Verifont. That's the thing about you know going for these different Chinese manufacturers. Right. Is that it's you know it's it's foreign stuff. You can you basically buy it directly from them from China and the usually the manuals are not very not very good and and the support is kind of marginal so right. cuz you're dealing with you know the time delay and all this stuff so but I, th- I think it's a solid device um they were really nice and then this the thing that i personally am really really interested in is is called the it's called the wire cam
0: mhm
1: and he showed me that and it's pretty cool um
0: it's i'm looking at that it yeah, looks kind of nice
1: yeah it's actually kind of expensive I think looks forward.
0: like a flyover thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's something that I personally thought would be really awesome, you know, because I do a lot of um nature stuff, you know, like tying a line between a couple of trees. Yeah. And right. and doing and doing some nice um you know shots uh where you can't you couldn't you couldn't really fly a a drone through. Um I'll tell
0: you, you I'll tell you who invented that is uh Vince McMahon of the World Wrestling Entertainment <laughs> company when he uh when he did that. Really? And then and yeah. then the NFL stole it, and uh, so now now they're using it all. But it yeah, looks neat. Yeah,
1: it's it's kind of like that thing you see in the NFL. Yeah, and you can actually mm-hmm. make it move up and down remotely um, because it's got motors and, and, and stuff on it that actually uh, – so you don't have to move the cable at all. It's actually going on its own, so you can go back and forth remotely. And he showed me that, and it's pretty cool. It goes really fast. So, Is it smooth? It's pretty smooth, and it's got a gimbal on the bottom, so it stays really steady it nice. looks it looks good yeah. yeah unfortunately it's it's pretty expensive it's like $4000 or something so
0: yeah $4290 to be exact
1: yeah so you add that to the gimbal and you're talking $6000 for this thing you might use once a year
0: Oh, you're absolutely right, because they, they're using the wire cam with the gimbal, and boy, that's a, that's a hefty piece of equipment, but it looks neat.
1: It looks pretty cool. I, I thought of a poor man's version of it. In fact, I've gotten the parts for a poor man's version, which is... You basically Ah, good
0: DIY. Yeah.
1: You, you basically just get those inexpensive little uh, clothes clothes hanger, clothesline things, Yes, and you just set it up an, on a cable, and then you just tie a, a rope to it. And, and doing just, it manually? You just go uphill and pull the rope. Uh huh. Have he, you tried it yet? I haven't tried it, <laughs> but uh, put it. You put a gimbal on the bottom of it. Well, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll I'll be your first victim. Okay. I'll, I'll okay, have uh, be I'll at have Arnell do it. Uh, you will be, uh, <laughs> be at the bottom. I'll be at the top.
2: <laughs> I'll
0: have
1: Arnell do it. We
0: we'll, we we'll, we'll use a crank. Oh yeah, we'll use a crank and and, yeah. and pull that thing. Use a crank.
1: <laughs> so, but no, there's actually lots of ways to do it. Um, probably this their way looked pretty solid. So uh-huh. I like I liked it though. It was a yeah. nice it was a nice thing I think I have I might put a video of me trying it out there um, okay. might put a couple of videos of these things on the website um, so let's see what's the next thing that we were going to talk about um, oh so one thing that I thought was kind of interesting it was like remember so in the old days before uh, mats and compositing um, there was this concept called rear projection
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So
1: like all the old movies, you know, where the people are fighting monsters, it's actually just a big screen right, projected and people are in front of it. So there's actually this company, and it's and I think, I'm not sure if it's related to the same company that did the gravity effects, um, you know, that movie Gravity? Yeah. Um, they actually had created these light boxes that were actually, pro- they're actually lighting the actors with images of what they were supposed to be seeing. So that it made all the reflections and everything really accurate. It kinda of added to the realist realism of the film. Oh wow. So if they were looking at Earth through their visor or whatever, they would actually have like a really like like kind of like a jumbotron of a picture of Earth and and the same rotation and everything in front of them. So that all the shadows and reflections and everything were similar to what they were seeing. So there was this company that I thought was pretty interesting. It's called DPS Cinema, and they had these huge LED backdrops where you could just, instead of doing the green screen and then compositing later and stuff, you just put your image behind the people on this huge screen. Huh. And if the screen's far enough away, you don't see all the little dots. So you have to put it you know, pretty far back, like 10 feet back. But then if you do that, you don't see the dots. And it's great rear projection, but it's like instant with a computer. You know, just project your whatever you want to show. And then the, you'd also sync it up with the, the lighting part of it, too. So you have these, these things that are playing pretty low res images of what they're looking at so that all the you know all the all the uh shadows and lighting is realistic. And they also sold that stuff too. So that was called DPS cinema. And that's uh DPS let me look at their card. DPS Inc dot com.
0: I'm uh, looking at it right now they they've done some pretty big movies there. Yeah. It was they've pretty been, cool. Yeah. They've uh, they've been involved in uh uh, what the heck is what the heck is that? Hunger Games and Tomorrowland. A lot of big, a uh, lot of big films there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. It was pretty cool. It's it's not something that I personally would get. Um, it might be something that I, if I was on a location and I just wanted to get not do any compositing and get it done quickly, right? I would probably um, you know, maybe rent one. Uh, they're really expensive though. I think the cheapest one is like. $15,000 or something. Wow. Yeah. But mm. still, you know, a pretty, a pretty good, it's kind of funny because I talked to the guy. says this is, this is like the rear projection, like of the fifties and sixties movies. And he says, yeah, it is just updated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they used to use these big projectors in film and, and, yeah. and, and project them onto these screens. But now there's kind of an equivalent. It's probably way better than, yeah. than back then. But Why uh, I would hope. Yeah. They actually had a camera in the backdrop there and it looked pretty good. So so that's yeah. that's another thing I saw. That's I cool. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, nice. Let's see what else in our list here. Um, oh, uh, so there's another thing that I'm st- very very intrigued about. So here's the thing about gimbals, or pretty much any kind of camera, they get heavy after a while, especially the higher end ones to hold yep. in front of you. Yeah. So I've yep. devised all these rigs and things, and I don't I don't really like holding a camera over my shoulder, even though that's the typical ENG thing yes I don't really like mounting the camera on the shoulder I kind of I don't know I feel like it doesn't feel like I'm in it as much I feel like it's to the right so but I've of course done that in the past but um and I you certainly can't really do that with a gimbal right so there was this thing called a ready rig and they are at the actually the inventor is a camera guy he's a he's a uh, camera camera cameraman his his name is Alessandro Di Leo. He's this. Actually, no. His name that was the CEO that I met, but um, the the company is called Alba Camera Support dot com. I'm on there now. Wow, what a rig! Kind of
0: backpackish. Yeah. So so I mean like it like everything. It's on it's on the shoulders, but it looks like it distributes the weight to. Both, Both shoulders,
1: yep, so there there was a there was a c- a rig that's been around for a long long time called the easy rig, and we can look at that one um and the thing about the easy rig, in my opinion is it looks a little too dorky for me <laughs> sorry, but it just looks dorky, <laughs> and you can look that up. it's also not cheap they're like thirty five hundred dollars
0: okay let's let let me take a look i'm 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 pressing the go button right now huh. Looks like you could put a um a patio tent over your head too with it. And, yeah. Uh, actually, you could probably save yourself some money and just rent one of those articulating arm patio tents and uh, just hang your camera off <laughs> that.
1: Probably. Yeah. But uh, so I I it I I was almost gonna get one of these things, but yeah. basically it's like a thing that you it's a backpack. The Easy Rig is a backpack that you put over your head and, if, and it goes over your head, and then yeah. there's a. Like a little cable that ca- attaches to the camera, yeah. And I, and I just, I, I know that would definitely alleviate some of the weight. But I also feel like it's not that secure. I feel like you'd have to find the the central point of the camera, uh, balance. So just, is the is is the only thing about
0: that is that this arm that goes over your head is supporting the weight of a camera that that that's that's, that's pretty much it
1: what it is that's pretty much it. and it's got a little spring mechanism so you can move the camera up and down a little bit without it it's not like Interesting. a yeah it's got a little extra line in there that allows you to move the camera up and down to reposition it yeah Interesting. it just it just looks too dorky to me like it might work great but no offense works. easy rig uh, folks no, no, <laughs> no offense but but i know a lot of people that use them and just 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 swear by them well, i'm sure yeah but um, this one here was pretty cool because it's got two connection points. And that's what I like about this. Yes. Um, you, and you can use it on a gimbal or you can just attach uh, attach it to your camera or to a, a camera on, that's not on a gimbal um, mm-hmm. using, some, using anything, using any kind of rig. And it has kind of the same concept, but it basically makes the camera float because it has these elastic bands on the back and these yeah. two arms that go over your shoulder. And then stick out, and then the thing's right in front of you. And you can move it close or far. You can move it up and down, and there's no weight at all. And I tried that. I tried it on there, and it's really professionally made. It's like it goes on pretty quick. It collapses really small, and it um, it works. Does it
0: just does it distribute the weight fairly decently?
1: Yeah, it's there's no really no weight at all with the camera. Mm -hmm. So no matter even if your camera is like twenty pounds it it works really well because a gimbal and a camera can be, could be 20 pounds depending on how big they are. Hmm. So yeah. So it just allows the camera to just float and you just direct it where you want. You can push it out or back and it's not when you're wearing it, it's not like you're, I mean, obviously you're wearing this thing when you're wearing it, but it's not, I found that it wasn't that obtrusive. Like right. I've, I felt like I could be in a situation and be wearing this and not be going, what's that? You know, <laughs> as I've been in many situations with big rigs.
0: Well, in, in all honesty, to me, it looks like the same type of contraption that they put people when they have spinal cord injuries, <laughs> but, uh, but I think you're correct. I do like the two points of um, uh, where it's holding the thing up.
1: Yeah, it's on the left and right side, and they're correct. about a foot, or, foot and a half apart. Basically well, and, around and, shoulder, and,
0: and obviously adjustable here because yeah. the, the, there's a lot of points there that you can you can have them extend out as far as you want and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, I think that that's good.
1: And there's yeah. a certain amount of um, kind of steadiness imparted by the thing because the whole thing's kind of elastic. Yeah. So it's not it's not like having a, a solid thing that's on your shoulder. That's going to right. be moving up and down with your shoulder movement. It's more floaty, right. more floaty than that. So I, I was actually I was looking for this thing at the show, and I was it was amazing. it was actually actually at the DJI booth. They had a little corner because they were showing it along with the DJI gimbals. So I got to see the DJI Ronin M there, mm-hmm. which is a smaller version of the, the DJI. It's mm-hmm. a lot smaller and lighter, and you know it's, it's pretty well made. Um, so yeah, they they kind of not really partnering but at least using their space there and they're both really nice people the, cool. c- the CEO and this c- and the inventor Good. so um
0: yeah that's that is albacamerasupport.com mhm albacamerasupport.com is where you'll find the ready rig yep Do you a price on that did you yeah uh, i think
1: it's about $2000 or less okay yeah i think they're they're actually I think you can order them now because when I was there, they were just coming out at them. Let me okay. see if I click the order now button. I Maybe mean, I'll just order it while they're in the air. I'm gonna add it to the cart. Right. And it is 19.99.
0: Well, very good
1: with 35 dollars delivery.
0: Okay. Oh. Yeah.
1: So not bad for. I mean, it's it, it's it's actually a pretty good deal because you can get sure. city cam vests for about that too. All right. Yeah.
0: Good. 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 So. And uh, that that's. Uh, that's pretty much the 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 highlights you would say of
1: Cinegear. There was one more thing yeah. that um I got actually to try the Canon C300 Mark II.
0: Ooh,
1: you, yeah. you actually tried it. Yeah, I got to try it. I got to hold it. I got to look through it and cuz I was actually a little concerned it was going to be too heavy for me. Right. It's it's substantially heavier than the C300 the C100 that I have. But it was pretty nice. It was really nice it still it felt it felt very C 100 like but you know a little bit beefier and and really high quality and I talked to the um, I talked to uh, one of the canon reps there he seemed like he really knew what he was talking about his name was John sagud he's the pre- professional market manager and I was just talking to him about the the uh, the camera and I was saying, well how would you compare this to the Alexa and he said that's really funny that you mentioned this because we actually designed this camera pretty much be a Alexa replacement hmm. um, in the HD world because Alexa right now is still HD they don't mm-hmm. even have a 4k version of it I mean it's like 2k it's a little bit higher than HD yeah. and you know, we talked a little bit about it and he said yeah what we've tried to do is you know put this 4k se- sensor in there and with all these profiles and, and dynamic range and we feel that it's we feel that you you could cut, cut it along with uh, Alexa
0: mm-hmm.
1: which for me is pretty cool because Alexa's like the gold standard of cinematography right now, you know. It's either like the Red, or right. or the Alexa when people are making films, and mostly mm. it's the Alexa. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So that was that was pretty cool for me to hear. Interesting. Yeah. So, of, course, so of course, he's did, a Canon rep, and he's going right. to say whatever. But of you know, course. but for him to have the the boldness to say that, you know, he must believe it. Did it uh, sway you at all? It when made, you saw it, after when you I saw, saw it, it, and I felt it, and I operated yeah. it, yeah, uh, it. It made it much more of a possibility. Mm-hmm. I just, maybe they'll reduce the price by the time it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, good. that's pretty much it for the show.
0: That's good. That's a good show. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like it was, uh, you know, a, a little bit uh, more concentrated, which is nice. Not so uh, fanfare as a. Uh, as uh, Nab, so uh, at least you got to go and actually see some things there, and yeah. maybe not as crazy of a crowd there as uh, as Nab.
1: It was it was pretty crazy, but there was it was like a lot of it was outside, so he had room to escape, <laughs> right? Which is nice. <laughs> yeah, and then when you escaped, you were in the middle of nowhere. You were you were in the nice uh, Paramount Studio. <laughs> oh, okay. good. Yeah, good. So I liked it.
0: All right. Well, uh, Keith, uh, fantastic. Thank you for the wrap-up. Thank you for attending for us, yeah. and
1: uh, we, will,
0: uh, we will take a break. We'll come right back with a little bit more here on Tech Move. Hey, you know, another fantastic episode of Tech Move here, and um, we're going to wrap things up right about now, Uh, but before we do, we had a couple things that we wanted to leave you guys with uh, before we go and work on the next episode. Uh, Keith, I, I, I think you mentioned to me earlier on that you had tried out or gotten a couple new things. That mean we can
1: talk about quickly, here. yeah, yeah, so one thing I wanted to talk about was a correction on an earlier episode that I talked about the g h four thirty minute limit, yes, I think I was getting confused with the a seven s thirty minute limit, so um which oh, g four does not have a, a limit on there no you can I guess you can keep recording as long as you have uh card space. I haven't really oh, tested cool. out the limit, but the other day I just kept it recording and I th- I think I was able to go. Like over way over 30, but one thing that I do, it seems like I do run out of battery, and I know the GH4 is supposed to have this amazing battery life, but for some reason, I do get a lot of batteries uh, dying on me, kind of like after how long? After I don't know. It seems like 45 minutes, and I don't know exactly why. Really? Yeah, I don't know why the batteries are so weak. So, and if I'm in an interview or something, I want to just you know keep. I don't want to have to be monitoring the battery life and things. So sometimes I'll plug stuff into an AC adapter and. Or, uh, but one of the things I got um, actually I got a couple things one thing is I got a, a battery grip uh, for the I got a battery grip for the um, the GH4 and what is that battery grip yeah the battery grip was the new MOA <laughs> DMW BH uh, sorry BGGH3 how do they get these names battery <laughs> grip Replacement. Oh, that's because the Panasonic is called the DMW-BGGH3. Oh, so that,
0: so that's why I'm worried. You didn't buy that thing that attaches to the bottom of the GH4.
1: No, I did. That's what this thing is.
0: That's what it is. Yeah,
1: it's it's it's. So Panasonic has a battery grip, which is like a few hundred dollars. But this is, and it's and it's the same for the GH3 or the GH4 because mm-hmm. they both have the same form factor. Um, but this one's like sixty something dollars. So it's no, that
0: That's right up my alley.
1: Yeah. So it it only holds one battery, but it, it augments the battery that's in the GH4 already. Um, so the GH4 has, I don't know, and I, I know about GH1, but the GH4 has a kind of a multi-connector thing that's on the bottom, like a multi-pin mm-hmm. connector. It's usually covered by a little rubber thing. Right. And you pull the rubber thing off, and then this thing sticks right in it. I'm going to just send you a link to this so you kind of know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's
0: the new MOA,
1: right? Yeah, new MOA. You, you see it? Yeah, it's oh, okay. the,
0: essentially the GH3. Yeah, it's a GH3 oh.
1: and GH4 battery grip. Yeah. Okay. so uh,
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it looks, yeah. it looks pretty nice. It's actually really well-made. You, hey, y- you know, I thought that the Panasonic one was like a million dollars or something like
1: that. I don't, yeah, I didn't even consider it. Most of the battery grips in the manufacturers are really expensive for yeah. So, But this one's fine. And the thing that's kind of cool is that with the GH3 and 4... You don't need to remove the battery from the camera. You don't even need to remove the cover, the battery cover, mm-hmm. um, which is always kind of an annoying thing because basically to turn the camera into a grip, t- a camera with this extra grip on it with, for example, the Canon cameras of the A7 that I have, you ha- and I have a battery grip from my A7 too, um, you have to take the battery cover off, remove the battery, and this thing sticks inside the battery slot as part right. of the grip but this right. one doesn't have that it's just a separate thing you just remove the little cover from the bottom the rubber cover from the bottom of the GH4 and then stick this and screw this thing in yeah and so, you're, it
0: looks like you're just using the tripod uh, uh, adapter to yeah. grip it on there and that's yeah. about it
1: that's about it the only and, and I tried it out and it works pretty well I haven't really tried it on in a real situation yet. I'm gonna just see how long it can record with a couple of batteries. It it holds one battery and then there's a battery in the GH4. So basically it's like every other grip that has two batteries in it. It's hmm. just that the batteries remaining in the GH4 are not taken out. Um, the only drawback is that the tripod the the replacement tripod socket is offset. It's not right in it's not right in the middle of the center of gravity of the GH4 anymore. So um, oh oh
0: you you mean at the bottom of this new battery grip it is offset
1: it is offset it's a little to the right, it's like an oh. inch over, oh so it's not okay. when you put it on the tripod uh it's not perfectly balanced not that that's that important right um there's actually an adapter that I'm gonna order from marker tech that moves it over It's just like a little plastic thing that just kind of re resets where the center is, okay. so I might get that too so that's uh one thing I got I also got a uh I basically don't want to ever run out of batteries on the GH4 again. So <laughs> I got some other thing from Amazon. It wasn't an Amazon Prime thing, but it's the HQRP AC power adapter. So this is, now this is the thing that actually does replace the battery. Okay. But it's it comes out of the battery slot. And yes. And it has a AC plug. And it just replaces the battery.
0: Hey, you know, I think, uh,
1: didn't the GH1 come with that? um yes actually it does yes the gh1 does come with its own yeah, that's because the it, box yes.
0: yeah because i think I, I i think i have one of those things that you can run off of ac and um and it, it, it you know it, it's essentially another battery with a with a cord that
1: comes out of it yeah, so you yeah. just
0: don't close the cover exactly you just ru- you just run this thing exactly to, yeah. to the power yeah
1: so it's like that except G- the gh4 didn't come with this that anymore right so and the and the I think the Panasonic one's like two hundred dollars, so I got the twelve dollar one. So <laughs> So we'll have, so we'll have and, and it works, right? I actually haven't received it yet. I'll let you oh, know. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. the reviews are kind of mixed on it, but we'll see. Hey, for
0: twelve bucks, what do you you know? What yeah. do you expect, it's, right?
1: It's worth you know trying it out. Sure. Yeah, I think somebody complained of a little audio buzz on it, but hardly ever use the actual audio that's on the camera, so I don't okay. really care about that. Right. So hopefully that'll work. So anyway, those are my, my two new things. Hey. I don't know what to talk about, and you know what I love. It all comes back to
0: Panasonic and the GH <laughs> series. I love it. I love it. Well, good, 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 good. Well, you know, uh, Keith, thank you very much for uh, another terrific episode. Uh, we've had a fun time here.
1: You're welcome, Rod.
0: Thank you, and uh, we will come back. We've got a lot more to talk about. Uh, and we've got a lot of things that we need to cover in our next episode. So we invite you folks to, as always, subscribe to us uh, off of iTunes. Uh, you can also find us on our website, which is techmovepodcast.com. I think you can do all these other neat things like find us on Stitcher. You can find us, uh, where else can they find us? Facebook, Twitter, all these different things, right, Keith? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you, you 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 can find us everywhere. We're my, everywhere.
1: MySpace.
0: space.
1: My <laughs> AOL Actually we we're featured on one of those AOL coaster uh CDs that they send out.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, yes. And we're also available on Napster. So anyway. Um, <laughs> Napster.
1: <laughs> um, although, actually, I do want to um, tell people that if you want to help support the co- podcast, it's really easy. Just go to techmovepodcast.com dot com slash amazon. It'll direct you to Amazon, and anything you buy in that session will get a little bit of commission. So, if you can do that, it's pretty easy to do. Just set up, maybe set up a book, bookmark for it, and then just buy all your stuff through Amazon through our through our link.
0: Yeah, and we get a couple little nickels out of it. Yeah. We, so. Helps us uh, keep the lights on and, uh, and me. Well, maybe, maybe to the your lifestyle. lights. My, yes. lights are, my lights are high high wattage. and That's expensive. right. Well, I have a lifestyle I've grown accustomed to. So, uh, anyway, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us here. And uh, look for our next episode when it comes out. Who knows when that will be. But anyway, uh, thank you again, Keith Moreau. I am Rod Louie. And you have been listening to to the all-powerful, almighty Tech Move. See ya!